six. Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Bitch, are you for real? But the elves came from the red planet, and there was much defecation. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And it seems that the children's remains have yet to have been recovered. In other news, the Coalition of Karens have gained the upper hand today on the war against masks, as they've now conquered most shopping center parking lots, spreading the good word of Facebook posts and undocumented scientific articles. Turning now to entertainment, Mark? Thanks, Mark. Since Broadway's unfortunate closing since the arrival of the deadly coronavirus, President Trump has deemed theaters across the country to stay closed indefinitely. He says, quote, Show tunes are pointless and stupid. The end. Strong words from a strong man. But it seems the opposite can be said for movie cinemas, as they've now been opening back up and flourishing with customers. Yes, COVID cases have now been skyrocketing like hotcakes, but it's all for the greater good of sitting down with your fellow patrons and enjoying a good flick. Social distancing be damned. And this just in, it says here, Tonight on the Marquee, we'll be watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory at Nightcaps at the Theater. I never thought that I would see anything but shit on TV. But theaters have opened just for me by charging a larger fee. Cause I've got a movie ticket. I've got a movie pass that's in my hand. I'd always thought I'd be at home, stuffing my face with time to kill. But now I pick up the movie phone, no more Netflix and chill. Cause I've got a movie ticket. I've got a movie pass that makes me grand. Hey, look out, get out of my way. Back of the line, I have to say one, please. Whoa, I gotta run. I never thought I'd be with my bro watching a remake of The Crow, cause I have said this looks dumb, but boy, is it fun. I never dreamed that I would buy popcorn, soda, tasty treats. Now I can unzip my fly and recline in expensive seats. Cause I've got a movie ticket. I've got a movie pass that makes me sway. And with a movie ticket, it's a movie day. I have said this looks dumb, but it can be fun. I never dreamed that I would buy popcorn, soda, tasty treats. Now I can unzip my fly, recline in expensive seats. Cause I've got a movie ticket. 
I've got a movie ticket. I got a movie pass that makes me sway. And with a movie ticket, it's a movie day. Hello out there, fair audiences of all different kinds of ages and ages. No, flavors, <laughs> ages, fragrances, flavors. Who do you think our target demographic is for this podcast? <laughs> all ages. Uh, I believe it was the cast of Food Fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, but welcome back all to another rounding episode of Nightcaps at the Theater. I'm your illustrious host, Mark Zebro Jr., here with my compatriots. Uh, please introduce yourselves at will. I'm. We're recording before 12 on a Saturday. Who are we, anyway? I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski. And I'm Matt. We're all gonna die. Cabrera. <laughs> well, 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 I don't get that reference. Is that <laughs> oh, a Hamilton sucks. reference? Oh, I wish, but it is uh, it's not. 4th of July by Sufjan Stevens. Ah. Uh, one of the saddest uh, songs in his discography. Oh, oh, Suff- Suffage Stevens. <laughs> yes, Subaru <laughs> Stevens. We got a couple of hipsters here, I see. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never catch me alive. Yeah, his song just came up in my feed a little while ago, too. So that's a. Uh, I, I don't yeah, I'm no surprised I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, pick up on that. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, here we are. We're back. We're still uh, social Netflixing here from afar. <laughs> Forever. For all eternity now. <laughs> for, yeah. for, the, for the next five to ten years, perhaps. Oh, my God. America fucked up, guys. <laughs> Who knows? Could be. Well, it's my pick now. <laughs> it is your pick now. <laughs> and uh, I left you guys off with a, with a, little, with a little ditty, a little hint. For uh for today's viewing and mm-hmm. uh, uh this is a film about a crazed entre- entrepreneur but uh you never know if he's telling the truth or he's lying. Mm-hmm. Now, John, you've already said mm-hmm. in private that you might have an idea of what this movie is. So oh, I, I know what it I, is. I I, I, I would <laughs> I would I would uh let Matt um <laughs> as first. usual I'll sit in my corner on my hands and let Matt try and guess flub his way through a couple guesses. I've, I've got two guesses. I feel I feel okay about one of them. <laughs> okay, um, it's it's a little apropos considering the the date as well. Uh, from that hint, from that description, I gotta guess we're watching American Psycho. <laughs> we are not. That's a good Damn guess, it. though. That that fits the clue. Oh yeah. crap! That was my that was the one I was confident about. Yeah. Oh no. The other one. Uh, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll I'll get another hint first. This, this one would fit the date, actually. We're we're oh, only, we're only about a week off. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right, that adds a, a wrench into my little machine going on here Ooh. with my guess. But um, hmm, would fit the date. What was oh. my other guess? Oh, my other guess. Nah, this seems unlikely, but I just have it in my mind because uh, I caught Go it on it. FX. 
a couple weeks back, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> it is not Wolf of Wall Street, unfortunately. This oh, is another eccentric that, entrepreneur, that, though. That's true. You did mention it was an hour and 40, not three yeah. hour, four hours. Mm-hmm. I think that, that director's cool. yeah, that director's cut actually runs like over four hours or something. Oh, I could still hear those curse words ringing in my ears from the theater. <laughs> and interestingly, when the test audiences saw it, they loved it at that four hour mark. And oh, they yeah. were like, they were like, "What?" Uh, Scorsese or the studio wanted to know what they could cut, and the audiences were like, "Nothing, just keep it as is." There you wow. go. But uh, you know, then they soiled that vision anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, hmm. I'm gonna ask Mark: Is this a sweet movie? Ah, uh, yeah, you could say it's sweet. All is right. it a sweet life of Zach and Cody movie? <laughs> Did they actually have a movie? I, I hope I not. Like a TV movie. <laughs> okay, that's just like two episodes then. Uh, the the sweet life goes down with the ship. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad the hotel manager is still getting work, even after mostly. He, yeah, even after oh, he yeah. murdered a guy. We could just relax and turn on the radio. <laughs> you like am or fm? <laughs> <laughs> Takes me back. Um, second question, Mark: Is this a pseudo musical? Yeah, I, oh. yeah, it is. Hmm. All right, that's two for two. Um, I'm going to suggest that we're going to learn an awful lot about a certain Candyman in this episode. Hmm. Um, but can the Candyman can? Yes. <laughs> Is it Madagascar? No, just kidding. I never <laughs> do that movie. I hate that movie. Um, we're watching. Oh, it could go one of two ways. It could either be the good choice <laughs> or the bad choice. I mean, so. I mean, you know me. Oh, and I know one of them for certain is on Netflix, and it's not the one I want to watch. They're both on Netflix, actually. Oh, thank God. Um, I'm going to guess that with hope in my heart that we're watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory today. Oh, John, you were so close. Oh, no, not this. (laughs) God, no. Psych, we're we're actually watching Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Thank God. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, not good. (laughs) You know what? I got to say, I've been watching this movie on repeat for three weeks straight. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Not not Charlie, Willy Wonka. Oh, okay. And and, and obviously, this this was going to be my next pick. Um, but like it, it just it was just that movie where like, I would I would turn on Netflix and I would just not not even just have it in the background. I just wanted to sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I I was recently inspired by it just by um Red Letter Media's uh, recent video from uh, yes. maybe a month ago. This was another clue for me. Uh, and and uh, yeah, and I I haven't seen it in years, and it just kind of reinvigorated that that nostalgic feeling and like i appreciate it so much more now and that just doesn't just come from the factory scenes but like everything mm-hmm. and uh and now i i can just wholly say that i love this movie like nice every like everything about it just works for me yeah um i could say that this is a big movie from my life as well um even going to the point where a friend of the show, Grand Farouk, and I have another drinking game devoted to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, it was one of those movies where I could quote oh, a lot yeah. of the lines. 
Um, I actually enjoy the stupidity of the musical numbers in this movie as well. I think mm. it doesn't fit. I don't think it should be well, a musical. We, we will get into the mu- musical, or at least yeah. the music of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing this show in London. It was one of the worst theatrical productions that I've ever seen in my life. And the Broadway version was supposedly even worse than that. You saw this live in London? I saw this live on my birthday in London. Wow, that's pretty... uh... (laughs) (laughs) You've got all the ingredients for a a great, unforgettable time, except for this play, apparently. Yep. Yeah, I I hear they're both terrible. I think they only kept the pure imagination number, I think, and everything else was original. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's sad uh, yeah, that's awful. I don't know but I, I do enjoy that. this movie yeah I, 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 I'm in love with it um, I, I remember growing up with it too we'll get to a specific scene too that uh, kind of like um, oh. I, th- I, I, have, I have another like appreciation for now too <laughs> but, uh, it I, traumatized I, I, you? no 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 uh, completely different or maybe uh, a different way of traumatizing me I don't know <laughs> But uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's let's get into uh, let's get into the the nitty gritty, shall we? Mm. So, um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out in 1971 uh, on June 30th. Mm. So, yeah, that that's how close we are in terms of uh, uh this film's release. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, starting off, uh, the idea for adapting the book uh, uh into a film came about when Mel Stewart, uh, director of the film, who's actually really more well known for directing uh. Docu- document uh, documentaries mm-hmm. and actual like lo- like big budget film production so but a lot of a lot of his style shows in this film too we'll get to that too uh, uh this came from mel stewart's a uh, 10 year old daughter who read the book uh charlie and the chocolate factory and asked her father to make a film out of it with uncle dave uh which is uh, uh producer david l walper uh, and Stewart uh, paid her fifty dollars for the advice. So there you go. Hey, that's how Hollywood Thanks, works. Dad. Baby. <laughs> I would early. have to say, yeah, I would have to say this would be a documentary too. It's like how the chocolate gets made. Yeah, oh, that that whole opening sequence. Oh. <laughs> uh, the film was shot in Munich, Germany, because it was significantly cheaper than the United States and had a storybook quality. Mel oh, Stewart nice. also. Uh, Mel Stewart also liked the unfamiliarity of the locations and said that he wanted to film somewhere that couldn't be identified as any place or time, unlike New York City, St. Louis and uh, London. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel Stewart originally didn't want Willy Wonka to be a musical, but producers convinced him by pointing out the success of Mary Poppins in 1964 and The Wizard of Oz in 1939. But around this point, I think this is also when... Uh, hello dolly had flopped and yep. so like the kind this is like the kind of decline uh as we already kind of mentioned when we saw uh wally uh of the kind of decline of the musical movie too so um and we'll get to that as well i love how the examples they quote are from 39 and 64 like that's such yeah. a long range between successful <laughs> musicals <laughs> yeah there's just this 25 year gap you know you, you know sometimes you hit it big sometimes you don't yeah they were so good we didn't make any more of them <laughs> Uh, the music by Tony Newley and uh, Leslie uh, Brickus was being written as production had already started in Munich. They even began filming the musical sequences before the music was finished. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, hey, you know, it, it turned out pretty good, actually. <laughs> well, it turns out as <laughs> charming, I'll say, at like the greatest extent. It's mm. charming. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, the film was originally financed by Quaker Oats Company, which hopped to tie in a new candy bar uh, it intended to bring onto the market. When the film was released, the company began marketing uh, its Wonka chocolate bars. Unfortunately, an error in the chocolate formula caused the bars to melt too easily, even while on the shelf, and they were taken off the market. Oof. Uh, Quaker sold the brand to St. Louis-based uh, Sunline Incorporated, which later became part of uh, Nestel, right? I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that Nestle. right. Nestle. Ne- Nestle, sorry. I, 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 I don't know. I was pronouncing it. It's that E. It's yeah, they have an accent. They have yeah. an accent, right? So it's Nestle, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah uh, which later became uh, Nestle via uh, Ron Tree not long after this. Sunline also... Uh, Sorry, Sunline was able to make the brand a success and Wonka branded candy, most of it, which wasn't chocolate based, was available in the U.S. until the uh, 2010s. Although the novel on which the movie was based on was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. the movie was renamed to promote the candy tie in. Ah, yeah. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inspiration behind the book came from uh, Roll. I never I never know how to pronounce this. Roll doll. Roald Dahl's uh, childhood, <clears throat> uh, according to the autobiography, Boy Tales of Childhood, he and his classmates uh, were willing guinea pigs for Cadbury's and would test out new inventions and confectionery tr- uh, uh, creation and later inspired Dahl to write the story. Dang I hear Matt salivating like yeah. over in the corner. Oh, That's like his dream job. These kids have pl- fucking magical lives over here. <laughs> I got a plate of food. I got a pandemic. <laughs> I've got a water bottle. <laughs> I got a rock. <laughs> it is said Roald Dahl was reportedly so angry angry with the treatment of the, of his book, mainly steaming from the massive rewrite by David Seltzer, that he refused permission for the book's sequel, Charlie and the Great Glass, uh, Great Glass Elevator, to be filmed. Seltzer had an idea for a new sequel, but... Legally, uh, legal issues meant that it never got off the ground. Oh, reportedly, shit. reportedly, Dahl was so unhappy that he refused to ever watch the completed film in its entirety. Damn. Once, Aww. once while staying in a hotel, he accidentally tuned into a television airing of the movie, but reportedly changed the channel immediately when he realized <laughs> what he was watching. What reporter was in the room, or who was the source <laughs> for that information? It's like, and he changed the channel as soon as it came on. It, it must have been like some kind of third-party source. Maybe he was with a prostitute or something. Oh my god, can you only imagine? <laughs> <laughs> or these paparazzis, man, they're crafty. They get up in those trees. We yeah. have the exotic dancer who spent a night with Roald Dahl. <laughs> Exclusive <laughs> interview, page six. <laughs> Uh, despite all the chocolate bars being practically designed for the movie in abundance, very few relics and props were uh, of the film survived. <laughs> Director Mel Stewart ex- uh, explained his regret of not keeping many of the props as they would be considered highly valuable, citing that at the time of production on the film, no one really knew just how successful it would be. Hmm. Uh, Willy Wonka was released on June 30th, 1971. The film uh was not a big success being the 53rd highest rank uh highest grossing film of the year in the u.s <laughs> er, earning just over 2.1 million so it actually made uh, it made a, a little sliver of its money back since the budget was actually two million dollars oh, oh wow God. that's surprising 
uh, earned just 2.1 million on its opening weekend. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film a perfect four out of four stars, hmm. calling it probably the best film of its sort since The Wizard of Oz. It is everything that family movies usually claim to be, but aren't. Delightful, funny, scary, exciting, and most of all, a genuine work of imagination. Willy Wonka is such a surely and wonderfully spun fantasy that it works on all kinds of minds. And it is fascinating because, like all classic fantasy, it is fascinated with itself. Hmm. Nice. Uh, there you go. Ebert uh, giving some, some positivity. Yeah, he's hit or miss. Sometimes he'll rate a movie that you love poorly and then he'll do things like this. Maybe mm. maybe you're hit or miss. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> He was saying that the Siskel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ebert just wanted a chocolate bar. <laughs> uh, when asked his thoughts on Charlie in the Chocolate Factory in 2005, Gene Wilder stated that he enjoyed Johnny Depp's performance as Willy Wonka, <laughs> but disliked the film as a whole, as he was not a fan of Tim Burton as a director and said he was genuinely mm-hmm. insulted when his films were remade. Oh, get out. Get out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would agree. Tim Burton's well, kind of fallen by the wayside these these past uh, few years. Definitely. I just think of the good Batmans, the Gothic Batmans. I love them so good. But what about yeah. Alice in Wonderland? Uh, well, that's a, a Alice, tale for a different time. Alice through the Looking Glass, where uh. Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh. Did he direct that? Was that him? No, uh, probably not. No, that was Sam Raimi. Yeah. Oof. Which makes sense why um. Uh, James Franco is the lead in that. <laughs> uh, the oh, I think that's it for now. Oh no, 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 we're still going. Uh, the opening credit sequence was filmed uh, at a uh, Tobler chocolate factory in Switzerland, uh, oh. and that's for the opening credits. And you know, we'll, we're about to watch the movie, so you'll see. Uh, Mel, Mel Stewart didn't want to show too many vehicles, so the movie would never feel dated. Hmm. Um, nice. And uh, and as we kind of like stated a little bit earlier too, uh, duh, 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 that uh, you know, like we, we m- most of the chocolate that you actually see on the shelves is just like just wooden wooden labels. So oh, just my favorite, or, just uh, <laughs> just uh, ordinary props, and that's just due to the uh, the chocolate malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's all my notes until we uh, actually get into the movie. Um, we actually got through the first three pages. I have another. 10 pages uh, as the film goes on when we, when we, we go. when we come back. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. This, this, uh, this is a, this is a trifling, interesting film with a, a lot of information. I'm so, surprised you didn't bring up uh, Gene Wilder yet. Oh no, he's on my notes. Uh, there's, okay. there's, there, there's a lot to talk about with Gene right. Wilder. Trust okay. me. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Cause <laughs> no. I always wanted to hear a little bit more on his personal take with this movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no. I I've seen him in interviews, and he like, and that's like maybe him during like his retirement years, and he he's just so sweet, and he's so like he's so like nice, and he has nothing nothing but like good things to say. Hmm. But uh, yeah, and I think he passed in 2016. Unfortunately, wow, that long ago yeah. already. Oh, yeah, felt like yesterday. Yeah, in the the before times. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. He, he knew when to make it out of here. <laughs> Shit, I gotta go. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's my notes right now. Um, thoughts before we uh, dive into this film? 
Um, like I said, this movie has always held a special place in my heart. Um, as I said, I do not like the remake at all, even though Tim Burton, you know, he's he's hit or miss with me as well. But I have to agree that this is the superior version. I can see as, you know, avid book reader where Roald Dahl would take, um, you know, pause with his adaptations going on here. But I think he was always like that. I don't know if he lived to see, and I doubt he did, um, to see Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think he might have liked that as an adaptation, but mm-hmm. that's just my personal insight to the man that, you know, had escorts <laughs> in so his hotel funny. room. It's so funny. Most, most of my favorite movies come from him. Like this one, Matilda, Matilda. and Dancing Mr. Fox. And also that just come like, like that's just talented film. The witches. The yeah. witches. Yeah. yeah. They're Fuck. all there. My God. <laughs> wow. The BFG. No, I don't like the BFG. I haven't yeah. seen the BFG. Oh, it's it's not good. <laughs> the I like big the notorious giant. <laughs> the big fucking giant. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Matt, yeah. what about you? I uh, well, I haven't seen this movie. Really? Or, yeah. Or I, I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, so I have a very uh, incomplete kind of. Uh, uh, incomplete version of it in my head so uh yeah i'm looking forward to it i think what i did catch was like close to the end i think i might have even seen the ending but uh it's ruined (laughs) it's spoiled yeah that's all good um i i don't really remember it and i don't really remember the details of what it all means but uh yeah i mean this seems right up my alley this will make me feel like a kid in the candy store and uh well, I was since it's early today. I I was gonna lay off the, the popcorn and snacks, but well, I think this movie warrants it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm in for a good time. Fantastic. Well, let's see if the Candyman can, shall we? Never dreamed that I could fly over the moon in ecstasy. Uh, well, what were we watching, gang? We were watching none other than Willy Wonka ampersand the Chocolate Factory. Oh yeah, nice ampersand. Yeah, gotta teach, gotta educate these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts. Um, I liked the first half of the movie better than I remembered, and I disliked the second half of the movie a little bit more than I remembered. <laughs> that, that's that's shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm on the opposite camp from you. Huh. Uh, I think I, I guess I'm a shadow of your former self. I like the second half considerably more than the first half. Hmm. The first half has some gems, but I think it takes uh, it takes too long. It takes yeah. too much of its time i'm i'm sort of in the in-between area between uh both of you closer to matt's kind of perspective Mm -hmm. um 
uh, viewing it now more as an adult, I appreciate the first half a lot more now. And I find it just as funny. Uh, maybe a little bit more less so, but like more funny, I would say than I, than I liked it as a child, because, you know, as a kid, like, you know, like when you hear chocolate factory, you want to get to that part of the film and, you know, you don't really appreciate the slow burn as a child as you do as an adult. And so I, and you know, we were just talking about this, uh, right before we started recording, but, uh, I, I really do like all the little vignettes that are happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As they're leading up to like all the kids finding the golden tickets, mm-hmm. yeah, and it really gives them uh, the opportunity to have some solid jokes here with just how mad the world has become over this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more cartoony, but in a real way, like it's more adult humor. I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Which not even gives more credit where it's as a child, like you don't really get yeah. some of the jokes too. Like the the woman. I mean, we'll get to all of them, but like the. Uh, the woman's husband who's kidnapped or yeah uh the selling the uh the box of chocolate to the to the queen <laughs> your majesty mm-hmm. mm. but uh no I, I i i i love the chocolate factory even more now as an adult too because there's even more stuff there uh that uh wonk is saying especially when it comes to a lot of his uh his his little like poetry inserts too yeah that uh mm. that, that that make a lot more sense to me as an adult Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's just like his enigmatic uh, nature of like uh, his uh, Wonka's personality. And that's just, I think it's just perfect casting from Gene Wilder and how all the mm-hmm. actors kind of like bounce off of him too. And where they're oh, yeah. just like, like they're going crazy just from his own, um, his own craziness. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, uh, no, I, I love it. I'm in love with it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, hey, you know, let's uh, let's get into these notes. Okay. And uh, we'll, uh, like I said, I've got I've got an additional ten pages here. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, we'll be going through them at least scene by scene once uh, we get to it. So uh, I guess we'll start up. Uh, I mean, uh, we I've already talked about this, but I'll just slightly reiterate the, the opening credits here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, this is our our no, opening title sequence. You know, David L. Whopper uh, pops up here, and this uh, this comes uh, filmed from the uh, Tobler uh, Chocolate Factory in Switzerland. And uh, I, I'm I just want chocolate now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Matt did bring up that it was very uncut gems of them <laughs> to do. Oh yeah, yeah. The the first shot we get that first frame is right in uh, Adam Sandler's colon. Yeah, just that uh <laughs> that chocolate opal. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've seen whole worlds in there. I did put down chocolate porn though, so I guess I agreed with this. I'm not much of a chocolate person, so I don't think I'm in the <laughs> the fan base of this movie. <laughs> like if I ever won this well, competition, I'd be like, well, I'm not gonna eat all that chocolate. Well, so. well, that's the point. Chocolate is a symbol for for your greatest desire. Uh it's a and metaphor. If you, if you listen really closely, you can hear Willy Wonka say, Holy shit, I'm gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> But uh, I, I think it's 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 inviting, you know, it's got that kind of documentary style or it's like I remember like watching old PBS like uh, shorts or something like that. Something in that vein where like it takes how it's you, made. Yeah, it takes you through yeah. the factory, how the fudge is made. Literally, <laughs> you know, we got these like chocolate wafers, Hershey Kisses, which Matt, you pointed out Hershey Kisses came before the chocolate chips. Yeah, like a good 30 years, I think. 
That's really interesting because I I've thought of Hershey's Kisses as just big as oversized chocolate chips, but that is apparently not the case. It is uh, the other way around. Believe it or not. I feel like that's just Hershey writing the history of the chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm being honest with you. Hershey's uh, the Disney of the candy industry. Yeah, I I might think there's uh, some bias there. (laughs) Which is interesting because now I would think that Hershey's Kisses get royalties from every chocolate chip that's sold. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. I'm sure Wonka fits in somewhere here. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in this pyramid scheme going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Big chocolate. Mm. Yeah. But uh, now we open up on our uh, our fictional town of uh, somewhere, USA, possibly Germany. This obviously, isn't a US town. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, yeah. obvi- obviously, this this is uh, in Germany and killed in Munich, but like, uh, and it, it's even made more even ominous. But that, that that also comes from like they wanted the more fairy tale esque town, fictional town. They don't like they don't describe where this town is and, mm-hmm. and where it comes from. So I, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I think it worked. It worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we get our first song. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the kids are running out of school, and like the first thing they want is uh is food, is sugar. They gotta go get their fix. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we got this very interesting Candyman salesman, Ugh. who's probably probably the only guy who's making money in town. But he's not because we pointed out that by his business practices, he's literally just giving reams and bowls and jars full of candy away. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, no, like he, it must be one of his kind of like going out of business uh, schemes that he's going out here, and he's, oh. and, he, and he's just throwing, throwing mothballs and all this shit on the floor. Yeah, I think I think each child's bill is in the mail. <laughs> he knows Come every piece of candy sold. Yeah. Uh, but I, I here I've got one of my first notes here uh, for the scene. So uh, Don Lane auditioned for the role of Bill, the candy shop owner. And first, like there was no mention of him named Bill. Yes, I don't think it was. It's called Bill's Candy Store. Oh, I didn't pay attention to that one. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so uh, uh, Bill, the candy shop owner, uh, impressed Mel Stewart, and that was considered for the role of Willy Wonka instead. Sammy Davis Jr. also expressed his interest in the role, but the filmmakers deemed it as too uh, uh, ki- kitschy or uh, uh, or cliche and declined. Uh, furthermore, uh, Stewart didn't like the idea because he felt that the pressure of a big star in the candy store scene would break reality. Nevertheless, the candy store song and the Candyman became uh, candy, candy store song. Uh, uh, became a staple of Davis's stage show for many years. Davis's version of that song was co-released with the movie and became a Billboard Top 100 hit. Wow! Yeah, cool. it did better than the movie. Which is weird <laughs> that you, like you, you joked about this being Madagascar, and I did, yeah. wasn't sure if like that joke was intentional because there's that one scene when uh, Ben Stiller lion blacks out and you hear Sammy Davis's Candyman song playing. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. I just picked up on. I just I just picked up on it. So yep. Um, can we say that Bill is uh, giving these children crippling uh, drug and alcohol dependency issues? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he's he's pouring them some some shots, yeah. some uh, some cocktails. Bill's a pusher. <laughs> yeah, it's an open bar at Bill's. 
Well, I don't know if we already made this joke, but he's he's I bet he's uh, doubling as the, the town dentist here as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's pulling one of those that would take it back to uh, Ernestine with that business. Yeah. Ernest and Cel- <laughs> Ernest A. Celestine. <laughs> I like Ernestine better as their ship name. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but um, next I have down that we, we see a, a poor little white boy staring in. <laughs> <laughs> at this candy store and he's yeah, so poor <laughs> he, he can't afford free candy he can't afford free candy <laughs> your mama's so poor charlie <laughs> one more Valderrama comes out <laughs> i i think another way of like looking at that i think it's like you know charlie you now is he can't like it's if like he's afraid to participate almost and like the other kids like joy almost oh yeah i could see that you know, because like he like he has very even when once he gets to the factory with the other kids, he has very like little interaction with them as well. You know, no, yeah. no, not too many lines with other kids, which is sad. I don't yeah. think he, I don't I don't think he has a friend other than Grandpa, <laughs> and that's not really a friend to have. <laughs> <laughs> Got some theories on Grandpa. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I wouldn't say that anyone would want to hang out with Charlie though, because he's kind of like. I'm poor. That's his one thing. <laughs> That's the character trait. Yeah. yeah, he's very vanilla in this chocolate <laughs> world. But uh, this this kid uh, is actually played by Peter Ostrom, and this is actually his only credited like uh, acting role. Uh, he wow. didn't want to be he didn't he didn't want to be an actor. I think this is like uh, his only like uh, role that he intentionally auditioned for. Then uh, he just wanted to be a veterinarian, which ultimately oh. he did. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's yeah. pretty cool. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the the strongest actor. I'm not saying there were many strong actors in this movie, but <laughs> well, I think he's doing actually a pretty good job yeah, here. You know, the I, best th- of I the think the kids. Pretty, I think I I oh man, I, I I like all the kids. I think they're all they're all played to a T for like how they need to be. That's uh, a also, Mark, I like all the kids. <laughs> those, uh, I can feel it sliding down my throat right now. <laughs> yeah. Those it's New York creamy. Times articles are coming. Out. Those New York Times articles are coming out right now. Uh, I mean, it's you know, it's on also, a holiday. <laughs> it's also the seventies too, so like you're not expecting like the best to come out of like uh, a child actor here. True. So I, I think uh, I think they're all doing exactly that. Plus, they're supposed to be very like cartoony here as well. Like you know, mm-hmm. like everything isn't supposed to be taken also seriously yeah you're right you're right but uh i i, I do i do like uh his performance here i think it's pr- pretty convincing yep uh next i have down charlie has a paper route yeah after school <laughs> in the evening edition of the press <laughs> and he takes six papers and flings them around and delivers those papers for a day's wage that's when all the kids are busy watching uh wb after school specials, yeah. watching that Scooby Doo and Batman the animated series, and Jackie Chan adventures, yeah. Mucha oh, yeah. Lucha. Not Charlie though; he's got a job. Not enough hours in the day. Yep. And uh, he stumbles upon the uh, abandoned, still working chocolate factory, the Wonka factory. And who should show up but this kindly knives salesman to give him a cryptic look into like. <laughs> I don't know. It's very scary. Oh, uh, so uh, he's described as a tinkerer in the oh, that film. Means, yeah. Doesn't a tinkerer like sharpen knives? Oh, I I don't I don't have the definition here, but I I would think like a tinkerer would be like you know like he sells like trinkets of some sorts. <laughs> no, that's know? a trinketer. 
Oh, okay. Well, I, but I don't know sure. about tinkers or trinketers. All I know are dinksters. <laughs> <laughs> this dinkster rolls up here. <laughs> did, did you ring me? <laughs> no, I didn't, sir. <laughs> uh, oh, listen, I, I love... <laughs> Yeah, I love Wonka. I love uh, Gene Wilder, but this character might be my favorite in the whole movie. Oh yeah, because he shows story? up. Exactly, oh. he shows up for a few lines, and then he's never heard from again. You and see, they're me. very like they're very uh, omniscious. Is that a word? Uh, very ominous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh lord, <laughs> ominous. Have lines. any of have either of you picked up a book in the last? <laughs> You know, quarantine. I'm pretty been. sure omniscious is a word. Yeah, but I'm it's no- the wrong <laughs> word. <laughs> Listen, I'm normally very articulate and literate, uh, but... I, the alcohol my- hasn't hit yet. <laughs> yes. What were we drinking tonight? Uh, I had some water and some chocolate milk. Yeah, I, I had too much candy. I think that's why my brain's on the fritz. <laughs> I was uh, guzzling uh, custard. <laughs> I was guzzling a uh, tomato soup down oh. my throat. Oh my god! Uh, so fucking knife salesman. Oh, you got a note? Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna. Uh, so he says this uh, poem here that uh, like it, it actually gives a little bit of context because like you know like uh, uh, he goes uh, down the rushing glen for fear of little men, which obviously like that would like come up as like oompa loompas but uh it's not not much oh no it's like no we dare not go hunting so i think it's like the fear of the unknown he's kind of describing here it's like uh because he goes like you see nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out and then he just he pieces i think he was just trying to murder charlie and just you know (laughs) changed his mind at the last moment but uh this poem uh is titled the fairies uh by william allingham which I'm I'm unfamiliar with, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll have these sprinkled out throughout the 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 remainder of the film because it's just filled with all these like ominous quotes, mostly from Shakespeare. Yep. Yeah. Huh, I, I did pick a bunch of them. Yeah. That the uh, <laughs> the knife salesman. What are you buying? <laughs> I'm buying knives. I'm selling knives. <laughs> what do you want? It's um, pretty interesting. Oh. Yeah, they, it works really well in this context. Like they kind of. Uh, uh, retcon the movie around that poem. Uh, Charlie runs home to his love shack <laughs> where he uh, sees his family members, four elderly geriatrics and one uh, mom who's seen, you know, the worst that life has had to offer her. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very She's sad one. Yeah. Dead husband works <laughs> like from dawn to dusk. And we have this orgy of Grandpa Joe, Grandma Josephine, <laughs> Grandpa George, and Grandma Georgina just comatose in their beds. I I, I don't know. Well, I, I found out from from one of uh, the actor who plays Grandpa George here, I think he's a World War II survivor. And uh and uh, that uh I don't I don't know how they actually found him, but uh uh he, he had a pair of slippers that he used on set that when he took them off, he put them underneath the bed. And they they had to move him for a scene, but he t- he he like he was stressing like no, don't touch them because that was the only original pose- possession that he had since World War Two. Oh my god! Jeez. Yeah. Wow. And apparently he was like almost blind, and that uh, for him to like direct his sight during scenes, they would have to use like a red dot on set for him to focus his attention. Oh my goodness! And I, and I think wow. that came from. Uh, I, 
I believe it had had something to do with during World War One as well. This guy's seen some shit. Yeah, I want to, to know where they actually got this guy. This explains why Grandpa Joe is like such a, a crazy person because he he's having PTSD. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Grandpa Joe here. So Grandpa Joe is played by uh, Jack Albertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was said that him and uh, Peter Ostrom, who plays Charlie Charlie in the film, uh, uh, was just a wonderful and becoming mentor uh, during the filming. Uh, Jack Albertson, who played uh, uh, played him on set, appeared with uh, uh, Roald Dahl's wife Patricia Neal in the subject. Uh, the the subject was roses in 1968. Uh, he run he won the Oscar for uh, best supporting actor and defeated his co star on film. Get this, Gene Wilder for the producers. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Ain't that something? Yeah. All that connective tissue there. Interesting. Yeah. And I like him. Yeah. I like I like Grandpa Joe here. Yeah. I like him, but I wouldn't want to live with him. I'm surprised he would win Best Supporting Actor in something, but good for him. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I in cabbage waters ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, much of this actor's work but uh yeah you know that's 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 pretty good good pretty good achievement i think he's 63 here by the time that they're filming mm. and uh we'll obviously get to like how spry grandpa is <laughs> he like consumed the other three's power in that bed <laughs> yeah. um but it's a sad life for charlie the buckets as they are uh they're they're having some cabbage water and charlie uses his first pay on a piece of prop bread <laughs> well i like how the, the mom asks where it's like charlie where'd you get that and grandpa joe's like what difference does it make where he got it through the point is he got it <laughs> like he could have stole it he could have like stabbed a beggar <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and uh, charlie also enables his uh, grandpa's tobacco addiction by supplying him enough money for said tobacco but grandpa yeah. goes i'm giving it up you know <laughs> you know when, when a loaf of bread looks like a banquet I've got no business paying for tobacco. See, there you go. No, no, no Joe, uh, Grandpa Joe's got a lot of levity here. Yeah, he's seen he's seen some hard times, as you said. Yeah. Um, that night, we get that detailed story on why Wonka closed the factory and then reopened. Well, didn't reopen, like put the lights back on in three years and kept the gates closed because this dude named Slugworth kept trying to steal all his family recipes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Slugworth, he was the worst. <laughs> like this whole town, it, it's devoted <laughs> to knowing the lore of Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's the only thing this town's got going for it. <laughs> um, in my first of the favorite transitions, we get Mr. Turkentine in his classroom. <laughs> I love this teacher. I love this teacher, too, because he's a very uh, hands-on teacher approach method, doing whatever he, well, he wants. No curriculum in sight, just mixing some dangerous chemicals <laughs> yeah like what class is this he's teaching them percentages he's teaching them chemistry <laughs> he's cutting the class um but there is a there's a whole scene where he's mixing like ammonia and bleach together trying to get these kids dead and then he's interrupted <laughs> and the one kid's like did you hear walker's opening up the factory there's gonna be a competition class dismissed yeah like literally and he's like, uh, oh, but there are only five winners or something. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. All right. Sit back down. Class oh are dismissed. Yeah. There's five golden mystery tickets. 
in the world and we're all panicking because we all want to see the inside of this factory mm-hmm. and win a lifetime supply of chocolate. <laughs> what? What are they selling? Chocolate. What? With nuts. Oh, chocolate. I remember chocolate. <laughs> sweet, sweet chocolate. <laughs> I always hated it. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but five golden tickets, percentages-wise, this is not a good running. I don't understand. And he certainly wouldn't send the five tickets out in the town where the chocolate factory is. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. Uh, maybe one. Maybe one. <laughs> it's not good business. It's all supply chain logistics. Who knows what's really going on? Yeah. And they also have this world news suddenly devoted to tracking uh, this five golden tickets around the world. And this is my favorite section of the movie where in between like every golden ticket winner, there's more vignettes seeing how the world's reacting to this situation going on. Yeah. I dreamed the archangel visited me last night. And what did he say? <laughs> oh, what does that mean? What does that? It was a dream. It oh, was. It was a fantasy. Tell me what he said. <laughs> um, our first winner is the fat German stereotype, other than Mister Augustus Gloop. Oh yeah, from Dusseldorf or uh, Dusselheim. Yeah, and I like the fr- the little comedic f- uh, framing here with the the newscaster with the antlers in the background. Yeah. On his head. It's, it's dry and I like it. <laughs> I just like um, the eating. You know, it's good eating while acting going yeah. on here for these guys. They're like, I am hungry. Like, what a I, dream to be on set. Give me a kielbasa and all. How do you feel? <laughs> hungry. <laughs> Mr. Gloop. <laughs> He's playing up the, the Hansel and Gretel from like the old Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> it's like, I am Hansel. I don't think this, uh, this actor had any... Uh, uh, any acting experience either i think they just kind of like found him in a gutter <laughs> to this, this, uh, this fat german kid and they just fed him his lines <laughs> and fed yeah. him yeah <laughs> uh and we get a mysterious figure whispering in this child's ear bum, bum, bum. <laughs> who could it be um then it's charlie's birthday <laughs> yeah yeah well, I think and, we're also meant to assume that some time is being like passed here as well, maybe yeah. a month or so. Yeah. Um, and Matt did bring up, like, we got you this gift. What is it? <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember what I said. You said a college scholarship. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. It's just a fucking chocolate bar. And I do like how Charlie dicks around with this family. I mean, not dick around because he's trying to, like, you know. Give, give them some joy in their lives but he's like i got it and they're like really he's like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah that i don't know that felt like a dick move <laughs> it's like that's all these grandparents are living for now just trying to gaslight them <laughs> yeah <laughs> but Gra- grandpa seems the one who's like really rooting for charlie here oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. only one but that it- really gives a little bit of sympathy i think not not, not even the mother i think but I, I think she's showing sympathy, but they're also being realistic because they live in the slums. Well, that, like, that of course, but like, you know, like you know, when you have a son and who's like, you know, like, you know, like even grandpa says that later on where it's like little boy has needs something to hope for. What's he got to hope for now? That's when they kind of have like the fake ticket <laughs> um, reveal. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of you kind of want to have 
a kid to have, you know, dreams. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that parenting method. (laughs) (laughs) I say rob kids of all dreams. Mm. (laughs) Start them while they're young. Yeah, Um, that's true. Number two golden ticket winner, my personal favorite of the bunch. We've got Veruca Salt. Um, She's very, you know, needy. She wants everything. Her father and mother kind of beckon to her whim. Her father runs a nut factory and has got his workers shelling these Wonka bars in hopes of pursuing the golden ticket. Yeah. Um, I do have some trivia. I don't know this girl's name, but I know she was slated to play um, Reagan in The Exorcist. Okay. I think she dropped out at the last second or she like auditioned and didn't go through, but that's my trivia I have for this movie. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Um, I do like how Mr. Salt is playing like the, you know, the, the doting father, but a little bit too doting. Like Veruca rules over that household with an iron fist. Um, (laughs) And he goes like to these, I assume they're in Liverpool because they sound very Beatle-ish like that family going on there. Um, but he's like, for the girl that finds the, the Wonka ticket, she can expect a pound raise in her next pay packet. <laughs> and they all go crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, we this would be a actual nightcap's conversion, and uh, we estimated that it would be about $2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is how Matt would find the golden tickets, correct? He would like... Uh, yeah? It's either this or the auction. <laughs> I mean, if anyone were to find one in this uh, this podcast, it would be you, Matt. <laughs> well, perhaps. I would share the wealth. Share yeah. the load. And uh, this one girl finds one, and, you know, the, the people in this movie, they're much too calm. I would have pocketed that golden ticket. Oh, yeah. I would have sold that shit. I would have ripped that girl to shreds to get that golden ticket. Yep, and this is just the first instance of that because uh, we see it again a little bit later on. But yeah, I don't understand why people in this movie actually look out for each other. It doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Yep. All around the world, statues crumble for me, and there are armed <laughs> security guards uh, protecting these Wonka bars, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, these like bank vehicles, like yeah, armored cars. <laughs> Transporting these Wonka bars. Um one guy invents a supercomputer to try and deduce where the last three Wonka bars are, and the computer gives him some back talk. Like, what would a computer do with chocolate? This would be cheating. <laughs> I am now telling the computer what exactly you could do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. <laughs> it's funny, a computer wouldn't use chocolate. No, no. Even if I um, t- even if I did know, telling you would be cheating. <laughs> Um, in America, our third winner, Violet Beauregard, is in Montana, and she is a gum chewer. She's a nasty little gum chewer. I don't think she's that. I mean, she's obnoxious, but I, I think she's the most normal of the kids. Like, I don't know. Yeah, besides Charlie. Well, I don't know. Mike TV is kind of like that as well. That yeah. Obnox- I mean, we even find out even a little bit later when it comes to like, you know, like they were all going to sell out Wonka. Yeah, that's true. So, um, but like, yeah, you know, she's, she's competitive, you know, like, I don't, I don't, she doesn't really care that much. I think, yeah. I think that's the whole reason why she, I don't think she really cares about chocolate. I think she just wants to like the competitive edge, like that's mm. uh, to get her, her next high. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's every, true. every TV appearance she makes, she's just dissing her friend, which is great. <laughs> Hi Cornelia. I love you, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cornelia's at home, like chewing that gum <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> real pissed off. Accidentally swallows it. 
<laughs> she sees the news. Chewing gum three months straight. Not a not a she time. Puts it behind her ear at dinner. Wouldn't it disintegrate like in your mouth after three months? I don't like, know. I've 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 had some uh, some oh for three months. I don't know. Yeah, I highly doubt that. But it 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 it's supposed to stay in your digestive system for seven years. That's yeah. the theory. So yeah, that ain't true. <laughs> My question I'm, is: so she says she's been chewing it for three months, but yeah, she puts it behind her ear for dinner and she takes it out while while she's on TV. So that disqualifies her from breaking the record, right? I don't know. I don't well, write the record books. I'm not sure. Uh, well, the gum is still relevant. She's still <laughs> the gum <relevant>. is in play. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> she called the timeout. <laughs> it's still live gum. Uh, I do want to talk about her father here. I, I think he's he's pretty uh pretty uh, out there as well. I, I like how he tries to like steal the spotlight from her any chance yeah. he can to yeah. bolster his, his business. Yeah. yeah. I do like that. He's playing the. I like how some of the parents are collaborating with their children, and others are like, the children are clearly ro- ruling over their lives. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I did enjoy that. Faruka, sweetheart angel. Ah, oh, can it? <laughs> I want you to shut up. <laughs> um, we then get Charlie's mother's line of business, and dare I say, the best song in the movie. Uh. Cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> I so wanted she, some tearing up myself. Yeah, she's just a washerwoman, just, you know, swilling around these dirty clothes and this dirty water. And I, I think she's just trying to be a realist. I want to feel with her, but her song is so bad that even I, bad musical lover, would often fast forward through this song. Cheer up, Charlie Do. Cheer up, <laughs> That's Charlie Do. It's just so boring. I mean, her yeah. part does involve her, like, sitting on a stoop and singing out and then his parts is just him walking through the town with nothing like no interesting visuals or anything it's a nice scene like maybe like leading up to the song but like it's so depressing it it really throws off the the act the whole pacing of the film i think Mm. yeah like you said though do you did when they wrote these songs like did they not know what they were singing well this this is this is the thing i didn't have it directly in my notes but i did actually look at uh look up what it was so um at no like i i've already said this too or like they were they were writing these scenes as the sequences were being filmed but they didn't have the script to go along with what they were actually writing so there it's like oh we don't have the script Eh, you know it's it's about a you know a chocolate factory and this person's sad and (laughs) so like they they gave them very little context to work with and then they just formed that song it's like oh write a song about this, this sad boy named charlie all right cheer up charlie uh yeah Uh, that's a shame i don't know yeah i wasn't feeling it uh winner number four mike tv is in arizona and he is obsessed with television and uh guns (laughs) lots of guns yeah he's he's a cowboy baby his mom is a geography teacher too yeah she's a know-it-all too we'll get to her a little bit later too i got a note on that yeah uh Uh, do you have a note on mike's dad i do (laughs) So, so apparently he has one line of dialogue and it's just like one like solid shot of him because Mike TV goes like, oh, pop won't let me have a real gun. Uh, will you pop? He's like, oh, not to your 12. And apparently that took him over 30 times to get that line right. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Oscar winning performance. I mean, I, I do like his delivery a lot when he actually succeeds. Uh, I like the kind of like <laughs> smile he has. Mm-hmm. It's a funny line, but 
yeah, you know, that's I, that must have been a nightmare on set. I would have yeah. replaced them with an extra <laughs> or a child. <laughs> they were reusing some actors here that you, uh, we kind of oh, yeah. use. There, there, there's um, I think one of the women that's interviewing or like kind of gets a line in to Mike here. She's actually the woman whose husband is kidnapped, which we're I guess we're about to get to as well here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's one golden ticket left. We then have Grandpa Joe has somehow smuggled a bar. Uh, I assumed not using his tobacco money for the good of buying Charlie a little piece of candy. Oh, that's what Charlie says. Where it's like I, that that money was for tobacco. It's like I told you, Charlie, I gave it up. Yeah. Uh, um, and unfortunately, they lose. <laughs> I bet those golden tickets make the chocolate taste terrible. Oh, <laughs> so sad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we then have the bidding wars <laughs> going on with I got a crate of Wonka bars. How much do I hear? Ten thousand pounds, Your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the best scene in the movie. I don't even remember this scene, so it, it surprised me the most. We got this whole ransom scene with this lady and her I'll give them anything, anything they want. All I want is to have Harold back. <laughs> <laughs> they want your crate of Wonka bars. How long are they going to get me to think about it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. That might be my favorite the little vignette from this whole act. Yep. Uh, the last golden ticket is seemingly found in Paraguay, Paraguay by a, a billionaire casino owner whose picture is only shown on the... Can you <laughs> Why didn't more adults win these tickets? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, I... I, maybe... I Maybe it's like a Veruca situation where they find it, but they just give it to their child. I don't think I know any adults that would give a, a golden <laughs> ticket that they found to one of their child. Well, it, it makes you think, too. Maybe, maybe these were all planted intentionally. <laughs> maybe because Slugwort's there at, no, at just just the right time when they find it. This is true. But in the end, we see that Willy Wonka, he cast a very wide net. So I'd be deeply suspicious <laughs> You know, all these kids are winning. Yeah, mm. and if they did plant them, why, uh, why give them to some shithead kids? <laughs> Not five good kids. Maybe the test just Charlie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe he was like eyeing this kid for some time. Like, eh, he's poor, and he seems like a good enough kid. Maybe like see if like he doesn't uh, get influence from outside sources. Yeah, could be. Uh, the buckets are begroning. What's going on in the news? And- should we tell Charlie? No. Let the boy dream one last dream. He's upstairs crying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. No one can hear you. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. You think he, I want to fail? Yeah, and, and like to twist the knife even further, like the teacher the next day is teaching the presents, and it's like, let's take the recent tragedy of none of you winning the golden ticket. <laughs> How many bottles did you open, son? 200. And you? 350. And you, Charlie? Two. Okay, 200. No, just two. <laughs> Let's That's open it and laugh at him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could you? Who has a calculator right now? You could literally do two. <laughs> That's, uh... One uh, percent. Wait, what are we talking about? That's point five percent. A hundred is ten percent of all the world's Wonka bars in this scenario. Uh, yeah, that's so point, what it, point two five. Wait, five. what did I say? Point five percent. It's half a Wonka bar in this situation. 
Let me let me see. I, I I'm good at math, damn it. Uh, it's point two. Yeah, that's what I said because it's two point two percent. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, my brain. Uh, I've had too much candy. You know it's bad <laughs> when I'm the best at math on this podcast. <laughs> um. All right, so that goes on. Everyone's sad, but. You know, um, where's my notes? Hold on, let me see. I've, I lost myself in that thing. Perception class. Uh, oh. Char- Charlie's walking outside. Oh, yeah. He's doom like, and gloom. Yeah, going through the slums, and then he digs through the grate. And I thought $10 past- and rolled up quarters. Yeah, he gets past the sewer clown, the hypodermic needles, and he <laughs> finds just Appar- a shiny coin. Apparently, this was an Australian silver dollar. Wow. Yeah. It, make, it gives even more credit where it's like where the fuck are they yeah like this ambiguity is going on over here Mm -hmm. charlie could have sold that for like uh probably maybe like a million dollars but he took the candy bar instead i do like how raw doll's books they're usually uh written in such a way that it could take place anywhere too Mm -hmm. so that's something that carries on often to the movies even though we get i in the new one it's like more british centric where charlie is living so Mm -hmm. i don't know just something that stuck out to me. Uh, so he goes into old Bill's. And he's like, "Bill, pour me a stiff one." And while you're at it, get me a get me a piece of chocolate. Well, it seems like it's his first time even walking inside this place, too. Yeah, Bill giving him the shifty eyes, asking for the money up front. It's like, yeah, I gave the the, the free day was yesterday. <laughs> I only charged the poor kids. <laughs> and uh, he he takes a. A scrumptively umptious bar, and then in a uh, act of gluttony, he demands one more for Grandpa Joe, of course. And Bill is all like, "I don't care who you you're buying your shit for, son. Just take one." He's like, got the money, and he just gives him the bar without like Charlie even asking. Or it's like, "Oh, I, I want. Oh, you're gonna get this. Yeah. <laughs> now get out of my shop." Yeah. And on the news, or next at the newsstand outside, there's a whole kerfuffle that uh, <laughs> the billionaire was lying. Scandalo. There was a phony <laughs> ticket in Paraguay. And Charlie, he smiles and opens his ticket and wouldn't, I mean, opens his chocolate bar and wouldn't you know there's nothing inside. Not a thing. <laughs> the movie ends here. Charlie goes home. He shoots himself. <laughs> <laughs> we could have gotten like a really dark, black and white, gritty story here. Oh, but that's yeah. not what happens. He That's, that's he the David finds, Lynch version. He finds the golden ticket and he starts running all the way home before he no, gets he, hit by a bus. He, he does <laughs> not he, run home. These people <laughs> drag him into a mob of people. And if this was a real world scenario, he would just die. Even some people in the crowd are going, you're going to kill him. Yeah. Let him through. You're suffocating him. And then he, yeah, he gets trampled by everyone, golden ticket in hand, and he his grip slowly loosens. And <laughs> out comes the winning ticket. I love all these scenarios. And yeah, movie. I think this would be a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> and one man is like, Charlie, run home as fast as you can. How do you know my name? No, it's Mr. Joe Peck. That's the man he works for. He gives him all the papers. Oh, oh now it makes sense. Uh. Run, Charlie, run, and don't stop till you get there. Get that meme. I, I do <laughs> like the little music cue that accompanies his uh, opening of the uh, golden ticket. I oh. think it's... Uh, your imagination i think it's a riff on no it's movie. i've got a golden ticket oh okay that makes da, sense. Da, 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 i've got a golden ticket I, 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 do, I do like the that 
just like the editing how like it's he's slowly opening up the ticket and it just focuses on that shot i'm like oh man what's it gonna be what's it gonna be someone's on the pan food going yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and he runs home but he passes through the shady alley first and gets assaulted by slugworth (laughs) (laughs) hello little boy (laughs) do you want to see a dead body I did reply that doesn't he have like an Ark of a Covenant to be looking for? <laughs> At yeah. Some point in this story. <laughs> um, do you think Spielberg was inspired by <laughs> Slugworth to create? Who knows? The Nazis. I feel, yeah, I feel like I've seen this guy a lot. He, he looks like um, he looks like Stephen Merchant in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, he who does. also looks like uh, somebody else. I forgot who. He looks vaguely familiar, but I I think he's just uh, a German actor that they found that they just dubbed over. Huh, interesting. But, uh, not just a word. I'm trying to find Slugworth here, but he's not really coming up in the credits. Ooh, he never existed. That's right. Oh, because there was no Slugworth. Oh. And he tells. Oh, oh no, here he is. Oh. Gunter Meisner. Oh, that's a German, if I ever heard. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, he does tell Charlie, don't forget what I'm looking for, an everlasting gobstarter, gobstopper. You could have 10,000 of these. <laughs> what are they? Stacks? Bills? <laughs> I was Does he mean $10,000 or 10,000 stacks? <laughs> we St- got to talk numbers. 10,000 Deutschmarks? <laughs> They're Wonka bucks. Francs? I hope not. <laughs> it's Monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and he Charlie... said, oh, "Don't forget the name, kid." Everlasting <laughs> Gobstopper, and he's like, "All right, so I'm gonna get a Slugworth for Mister Everlasting <laughs> Gobstopper." <laughs> Got it. Yep. Uh, he runs home and proclaims to the rest of the buckets that he has found the last golden ticket and that it was a fraud. And you know, they're they're skeptical at first; they don't believe Charlie. But after some, after Grandpa Joe, the only one who can read in this family, apparently, <laughs> reads the ticket. It can't be a hoax in any way, shape, or form. It's got to be real. <laughs> and Grandpa Joe changes his tune real quick from we got a golden ticket because you can allow one guest to come with you into the factory to I've got a golden <laughs> ticket. Well, I think what inspires him to walk, too, is just Charlie's like, it's like, Grandpa, I wish you can come with me. Well, fuck. All right. (laughs) I've been waiting 20 years to hear someone say that. Yeah. From invalid to hero. I I think like, I mean, obviously like golden ticket, that's like they wrote, they wrote that for grandpa because they didn't really understand what they were writing about. But uh, I I think, you know, like the way you can view it's like, oh, his golden ticket is like getting to go to the factory with Charlie because he loves him so much. And, and that gives, and then like his golden ticket is that, and it gives him the, the the god power to to walk again. <laughs> He's healed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they could have like shoved in that line somewhere towards the end of that song. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the golden ticket actually being Charlie instead of the physical ticket, but uh, they didn't. So now it feels kind of weird. They we gotta did... push these stupid songs for this stupid movie. <laughs> they did ad lib. Uh, like in the middle of Grandpa singing, like uh, I've got a golden ticket, he says it's ours, Charlie. And yeah, I, I have a feeling they did that once they realized uh, the error they committed. Yeah, um, he does whisper into the next scene transition about Slughorn to Grandpa Joe, 
Like, what's Grandpa Joe going to do? Take out a gun and shoot Slughorn if he ever <laughs> shows up? I don't hey, know. He's a veteran. I'll he's deck very him. Well could. Yeah. They do play up the veteran in other adaptations I've seen of this, though. So it's weird that it wasn't here when he's an actual veteran. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They're bedridden, but they, we never understand why. Mm hmm. Um, well, so. we're we're led to believe that it's all in their hot, uh, all in their minds, yeah, and that they actually don't have a reason. They've lost the will to walk. Yeah. <laughs> so halfway through this movie, we actually get to this chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> like I did not remember this chocolate factory coming so late in this movie. Yeah. So yeah. so the movie's called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Those neither of those things are present <laughs> in like the majority of the movie. Like they took a long ass time getting here, but next day they're out in front, everyone's waving flags of different nationalities when these five little white kids and their parents show up <laughs> in hopes of entering the factory. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Odd that five little white children won. Just saying. Yeah, I guess it was planted. <laughs> also, Slugworth is like very obviously everywhere in the crowd in this movie. <laughs> Just talking he's, in the corner. He's, he's, he's reminding these kids. It's like, give me the gobstopper. Give me <laughs> the gobstopper. You get 10,000 of these. Mm. Um, Gene Wilder shows up. Old, decrepit Gene Wilder. <laughs> Doesn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, is this reveal good? I I did I, bring up that Charlie looks horrified, and you're like, that adds more to this character. And I'm like, I guess. Well, like, like I think that adds to like to to the mystique of him coming out. Here, here uh, I'll I'll go into the notes here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, according to director Mel Stewart, when Gene Wilder walked into the audition, Stewart knew before he'd even uttered a single word that he'd found his Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. The audition convinced him even further. So when Wilder finished and left the room. Stuart chased him down the hallway and cut him off at the elevator bank, grabbed his arm and told him, you're doing this picture. No two ways about it. You are Willy Wonka. Nice. Uh, producer David L. Wolper, however, was furious because he hadn't yet had the chance to negotiate a fee. <laughs> uh, after reading the script, Gene Wilder said that he would take the role of Willy Wonka under one condition, that he would be allowed to limp, then suddenly somersault in the scene when he first meets the children. <laughs> when director when director Mel Stewart asked why, Wilder replied that having Wonka do this meant that from that time on, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. Stewart at, no, Stewart asked. Uh, so I so if I say you won't do the picture, said uh, and Wilder said, I'm afraid that's the truth. <laughs> I, I, I I think it, I think it pays off for 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 me. I mean that I always like kind of question that where it's like hmm. Why, why is he coming out with the cane? You know, and then uh, like it fools everyone because the crowd goes quiet because yeah. they, they expect him to be like, oh, like I'm Willy Wonka. And then he comes out and he's limping as if like, you know, he's he just took ill. <laughs> and it's like, man, this this is who we expect. And then his cane gets stuck and then he thinks it's just going to fall flat. And then voila. Yeah, I, I really thought he was just going to fall face first. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think it's a really great reveal. Actually, I think it's perfectly in line with his character, and yeah, that was like a really uh, inspired bit on Gene Wilder's part. Yeah, I I feel that Charlie just fears that the old people in his lives are gonna go. So he's like, "Is this one at like the tail end? Am I finally gonna see the moment where someone old dies in front of me?" Trying to come to grips That's with true. that. 
I mean, his uh, his father's dead, so who knows? Yeah. Oh, but maybe. He's never even mentioned. Maybe he just had oh, him and no, left. He, no, he, his father's mentioned in the beginning where, uh, when uh, Grandma Josephine says, oh, if only his father was still alive. So, uh, hmm. yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so he proceeds to bring these children in, getting introductions to each one, and he's silently reading them. He's like, what a lovely <laughs> coat. I have three at home. Bye, aren't you a fat boy? <laughs> like I, I like him complimenting them all as yeah. as they're slowly introducing themselves to him, as if like you know he's very inviting. Until mm-hmm. later on, he's he's like just kind of quietly or like kind of uh, uh, patronizing them in, in the uh, in, in the factory. Yep. So I, mean, it's, uh, I, mean, I it's think a, you can hear he's patronizing them. Oh but, yeah, you know, doing it in a way that they uh, don't notice. They, yeah, they can't pick up on it. Yeah, even even the uh, even the adults too. Yep. Throwing shade, Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes inside, and you know these sets really. I mean, it wasn't. I don't, wouldn't say the most expensive movie to make, but even these sets haven't aged well for me. Some of them. I think they're good, but maybe a little cramped. Yeah, like this coat contract room is just like well, a staircase and like a blank wall with hands. Well, I'm, I'm like. Still, like uh, a, a lot of that, I think budget went into like once they actually get inside the factory. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And so, like they're working on a budget of two million dollars. I think uh, uh, inflation, um, Matt. What do you think that would be around Let's this time? See, let me let me pull up the old nightcaps inflation calculator. Because I remember like seeing an interview and they were saying uh, it was like they had to like work really close to the vest with like what money that they had left. And you could see it. <laughs> so, uh, wow, yeah. Uh, okay, well, this is one million. Let me change this to two million. It would be uh, around thirteen million dollars in twenty twenty dollars. Wow. So that's that's really not a lot. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I I still like these rooms. Uh, uh, first, we get here is uh, is the coat hanger bit, which yeah. uh, we're just spray painted hands of five comp- carpenters working on the movie. John Cocteau did it better. <laughs> Famous French Altier. I think it's good though. I like I like the the, the hand that grabs Grandpa's hat. Yeah, yeah. cheeky. Uh, and we got the giant contract next here. Yeah, with the minimal print. So he's a man of mm-hmm. uh, legality. This Wonka, he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And no one reads their contracts, so he could kill <laughs> them all, and no one would care. Ah, uh, yes. And maybe he does. Maybe he did. Like how Veruca here is like uh, as her father is like uh, saying like oh I just I'm just trying to uh, protect you, darling, and, and it's like you're always making things difficult. <laughs> and he's trying to like form this friendship with uh Mike TV's no uh Violet's dad over the course of the movie, but Violet's dad keeps shooting him down. <laughs> no, it's the opposite actually. Well, it's, it's, like, uh, it's both. It's give and take, right? Because he's like, "What are you in nuts?" And then he comes back with like, "Oh, I thought you meant Walker." Sorry. Oh, no, no. Well, no, I'm talking about uh, the, the dads. Like, they're trying to get along, but they mm-hmm. don't agree with each other. Like, they're giving each other looks throughout the whole movie. It, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. In- inventing story where it's not there, I guess. Um, but then they proceed into this room with no exit. Yeah, speaking of cramped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being smushed. Yeah. I like how it's like all Rorschach and it's, uh, you're not really sure, like, what direction you're going in as, yeah. as soon as you get in there. It's really yeah. good, uh, like perspective uh, trickery here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably Mike on like a large theater screen too. Mm-hmm. Mike TV's mom, best mom, is like someone's touching me. 
So, uh, oh, uh, I think, uh, hold on here. Uh, the, uh, so like, the first combination that he does here, he goes uh, 99, uh, not 44, 100% pure. Uh, that's actually a slogan from an old ivory soap products commercial. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the quote that, uh, that he uses here, that when they're all being stuck, uh, where he goes, is that my soul that calls upon my name? Comes from uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Hmm. <laughs> He's very Shakespearean. Where is fancy bread? Getting there later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, you go, you go. I talk too much. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it was like my TV, like, everyone's yelling and my TV's mom goes, just like, someone's touching me. It's Grandpa Joe's, like, his hands on her shoulder. Feeling her up. And, uh, and, and uh, like, <laughs> Uh, Wonka tries to get out. It's like, oh, here's the exit. It's, no, that's where we came in. <laughs> and it's like, are you sure? And then, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, it's it's a whole different room once he opens the door. Yep. And he does. He does it uh, very, very uh, with some suave. I think <laughs> this forced perspective going on here, where he gets larger as the room gets smaller. Mm-hmm. No, he's getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work that way, lady. Um, <laughs> And then the door changes and we're in the piece de resistance of the movie, the chocolate room. Wow. Oh, a little joke here, actually, before uh, we're about to get in there. But uh, uh, Mike TV's mom uh, points out uh, Willy Wonka's uh, yeah, rock like, yeah. uh, She She's uh, intentionally incorrect here uh, for her character where it's actually from uh, Wolf, Wolfgang. Yeah. Amadeus Mozart. Magic flute. Yeah. Yep. So I she, knew. Well, <laughs> Oh, I like I like her where she's like trying to like, yeah. that, try to sound impressive. Where it's like, I oh yeah, I know this, blah blah blah. And she's just an idiot, <laughs> or, or trying to be a show off. Yep. Nice. I'm a music teacher. I know for a fact there's no such thing as Rachmaninoff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this chocolate room, yeah, it dazzled me more as a kid. I hate to say it, but I think I've become jaded. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Like, I think this is this is what I was thinking, where maybe it's a little too small. Yeah, but it, you, you everything's said, made. Everything's edible. You said like uh, something like you would be bored with it after five minutes. Oh, if I got this prize, I'd be like, all right, this is cool. I guess I'll take a bite of this gummy bear. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm kind of sick of gummy bear right now, so I'll just sit on the stairs. I'll wait till you're done. <laughs> Get back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind I, of opposite. If it were larger, maybe if it had a couple stories to it, I would. Uh, now, if this was more... made out of chicken parm, it'd be a different story. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> the chicken parm factory. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't, I don't I'd rather not see how that's made. <laughs> I don't care. Let me bathe in that parm river. <laughs> I, I, I chickens myself. <laughs> I still like this factory. I think it still brings me some joy too. You no, know, I, I I still like to wander around. I don't know. It's. I think it's for me. It still kind of has the stands the test of time. I do like the little like musical cue that comes in, like little like, do 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 as the door is opening. Uh, and so here, uh, here, here are the rest of my notes here for um, for this part of the factory. Uh, the reactions from the from the actors and actresses in some scenes are spontaneous. For example, when the children first enter the chocolate room and see the candy gardens, their reactions are all genuine. Uh, Julie Don Cole, uh, who played Veruca Salt in the film, did not know the rock in the chocolate room was uh, dropping down, uh, uh, that she dropped down on to smash the watermelon-sized chocolate egg was real. And she badly cut her left knee falling on it. If you watch closely uh, in the first clip with the egg, you can see her left stocking is bloody. Oh, good. 
let's see. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, several objects and plants in the chocolate room were edible, including the giant lollipops. In the featurette, Pure Imagination, the story of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder mentioned that about a third of the stuff in the chocolate room was edible. However, the cup out of which Gene, uh, Gene Wilder took a bite of at the end of Pure Imagination was uh, not edible. Uh, it was made of solid wax. <laughs> or not solid wax, uh, just uh, just wax. Uh, I thought you were going to say glass, so it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's cherry flavored. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> That's just blood. Uh, Wal- Wal- Walder had to chew the wax pieces until the end of the take, and at which point he spat them out. <laughs> and went to go light up a cigarette. <laughs> I think it's good. I can't. Well, I can't really imagine that scene uh, without that little bit in there. Now, I think it's uh, it was a good addition. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, we had this whole number of uh, pure imagination. The only good song in the movie. Like, I don't uh, think so. I, the first I mean, one, Candyman, is good. <laughs> the, the Christina Aguilera mm. Bob Candyman. <laughs> the I Want It Now, Veruca Salt song. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they're I, so I, short though. They're like I don't even know. They don't feel like songs to me. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I know. I I, I, I I think they they tell just enough that they that they need to convey, especially the Oompa Loompa songs. I mean, we're about to get to them too. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, I forgot about them. I think they all have something interesting to say, especially when it comes to uh, each of the uh, kids that gets uh, knocked off here. (laughs) (laughs) It's misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, across this magnificent sewage pipe, I mean, chocolate river. (laughs) What a disgusting river. (laughs) (laughs) It's made of chocolate, mama. (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh, this is my next note. Uh, The chocolate river was made from 150,000 gallons of water and real chocolate and cream. The hmm. filmmakers had to change the formula uh, for the chocolate river because originally the concoction they were using turned blood red. Good. Because of the cream, the mixture began to spoil, and by the end of filming, it smelled terrible. <laughs> uh, Michael Boldner, who played Augustus Gloop, later described it as dirty, stinky water. <laughs> it's dirty, stinky water. <laughs> um, very... <laughs> I wish it was blood red. I think that would add a little bit mystique to the film. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. It needs yeah. to look like chocolate for the kids. I understand. Um, what's this slave labor going on here? How does Wonka whittle his way out of this one? <laughs> yeah, he colonized a whole group of Oompa Loompas from Oompa Loompa Land. And I think in the book he pays them with chocolate beans. He doesn't even pay them a fair wage. Mm. I, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they need anything more. At least they don't want anything more. <laughs> They're doing what, all the work. From what we understand. Yeah, we don't know what they want. And they, yeah. they, got, they got free room and board. He's even describing to them. That, we don't uh, even know that. They go come out of little holes in the wall. <laughs> and that, that just adds to the mystique of it, too. I mean, uh, yeah, even, that, they, that even adds to like Gene Wilder, where, like, where it's like, you don't, you don't know if he's, what, what he's describing right now is uh, is real, you know? these vermicious canids and snozz wanglers that they were being gobbled up by in Wonka land or no, in Oompa land. I have a whole theory about this that I'm going to get into a a little bit later. All right. I can't wait. (laughs) It's a doozy. It's a doozy. I'm a geography teacher. There's no such place as Oompa Loompa land. Oh, you know everything there is to know about Oompa land. How it's a terrible (laughs) fucked up place. (laughs) 
children dying in the streets. <laughs> Nobody wearing car, a mask. Car bombs everywhere. <laughs> and uh, little Augustus, he's getting a little bit too handsy with that chocolate river and he takes a tumble in. Did Wonka push him? I don't know. <laughs> Charlie's the only one who attempts to save him here, too. Yeah, I know, reaching <laughs> out a twig. <laughs> here, Goose, just grab this. Have, yeah, I was thinking Wonka would at least try to give him his cane, but nope. no. I Not do his, like yeah, my yeah. chocolate. He's only like this. That's his only concern. Like he uh, just ruined my fucked fucking chocolate river. A, a joke I always use to this day is like whenever someone's like do something, I'm like help, police. Help. Murder, <laughs> murder. So I that has stuck with me over the years from this movie, and I do enjoy Wonka's. Like I tried, it's okay. Um, and Augustus drowns and dies. So mm, there's that. Yeah, I kind of wish he wasn't the first to go, just because uh, he was fun. I liked him. <laughs> a fat person in a chocolate factory. Come on, it just writes itself. Let me in. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> but he sucked up the, the chocolate pipe and Grandpa Joe turns to Charlie and is like, did you remember when you asked me how a bullet comes out of a gun? And I killed your father? <laughs> like, like, what was this conversation? <laughs> I don't know. The, the pressure oh. builds up behind him and shoots Augustus into the stratosphere. <laughs> I, I do like this line that uh, uh, Wonka uh, says here. He goes, the, the suspense is terrible. I hope it'll last. Yeah. And uh, this actually comes from Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest. Mm. It's very well read, this Wonka. Yeah. In this imaginary world. But, um, I mean, like, he's offing these children, right? Because in the, the books, they live. But we never see them again in this movie. So they're just dead, I assume. Uh, we, we only take his word for granted that when Charlie asks him at the end, when Charlie's the last one, he goes like, well, they'll be... What will happen? It's like, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. But maybe they'll be wiser for the wear, you know? Mm. So, yeah. yeah. I but, also uh, think... Oh, no, you go. You oh, go. no, I was done. Oh, okay. Um, I also think that Wonka is some sort of war profiteer because he brings out his patented ship, the Wonkatania. Oh, when wait, the Lusitania we sunk. We, we, still have, we still have to get to oh, our, our first uh, Oompa. The Oompa song. How could I forget the, the timeless classic? Or Drunkalunka. Drunkalunka's <laughs> Uh, so actually, I have some little trivia on uh, the uh, blah blah blah. Those uh, those little guys, the umpus. Yeah. Uh, so the producers had to go outside of Germany to recruit enough little people to play the umpalumpas. Many of the people cast as umpalumpas, German or otherwise, did not speak English fluently or at all. Hmm. This is why some of them appear to not know the words to songs during the musical numbers. Hmm. Uh, the Oompa Loompas were known for hard partying offset and traveling in a limo together to, into bars. Oh my god. So, uh, <laughs> they, they, they were having a good time offset. Probably onset too. Who knows? Okay, I'm well, glad. Because... They look like they're they're horrified. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. I was worried that they would be uh, just kind of uh, mistreated and outcast and just sullen and not wanting to do the work because they, yeah, they really looked depressed. And some of the things they, they had them doing just looked so silly and goofy and well, I they, they 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 weren't told like what to do. They kind of just did their own <laughs> thing. Yeah, like then, oh, when wow. they're like like throwing like sugar and stuff into the river or like what they're testing stuff. Like that's just them. They're just doing whatever. Hey, props well, they, to them. That's pretty impressive. They come out with these Jabberwocky style moves going on that I'm just like, <laughs> was this and, choreographed? 
<laughs> and I and I was I, I mean I always knew like these were these guys must have been dubbed over when I was when I was uh, little, but I I I think uh, I always thought their lip syncing was pretty on on spot. I didn't mm-hmm. I, I didn't see any any faults in that. Yeah, they didn't have the worst lip syncing. Uh, there were some other instances that were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other characters. It yeah. is trippy during their songs that like the morals are shown on screen, so like even children can understand it. And I don't know how I feel about it because I, I, I don't like know. it. I like yeah. that part. I think I it's important. I'm, yeah, I don't know why I'm taking so much offense with the things that I've seen as of late. I'm just like, ah, I don't feel this. <laughs> hmm. But they they do give their morals, and it's like no one listens. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you raised a fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating enough as an elephant eats. Oh my gosh! So he was fat. I don't he didn't like to look over. <laughs> Uh, one down, four to go. <laughs> um, now can I talk about the Wakatania? <laughs> yeah, we're we're just about there, and uh, okay. I'll, I'll chime in. I'll interrupt you once I get to uh, some notes here. All right, so you know he brings out this paddle boat. It's all going well and good. They're all making little banter's with one another. He's speaking French, saying we're going to a different part of the factory. And I don't know about y'all, but as a child, traumatized. Yeah. Hated this yep. part, scared the shit out of me. All right, so th- this is where uh, my notes will start. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so some some more quotes here from from Waka that he's uh, that he's spouting off here. Uh, the uh, the one he goes like, "All I ask is for a tall ship and a star to sailor by," which comes from John uh, Macefield's poem "Sea Fever." Uh, a thing of beauty is a joy forever comes from John Keats and uh, and and D Moyen, uh, a poetic romance. Uh, Round the world and home again. That's the sailor's way. Comes from another one of uh, William Allingham's uh, Homeward Bound. Which, you know, I'm, I was always familiar with that one. Um, the Wonkatania was on a track uh, in the Chocolate River, but the actor playing the Oompa Loompa at the helm thought he was actually steering it. Oh, For the sake of the believability, the director Mel Stewart didn't tell him the truth. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Denise Nickerson, who played Violet Beauregard, didn't want to do nose picking bit because she had a crush on Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie Bucket, and didn't want to embarrass herself. Oh! And there was actually a little bit of a love triangle because also of um, uh, what's Veruca. her name? Veruca also had a crush on him as well. Damn. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a ladies' man here. When your competition yeah. is Augustus Bloop or Gloop and uh, Mike TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, so, uh we're so yeah, now we're getting to the the, the nightmare feel here on the uh, the Walkatania. Huh. Um so the face in the psychedelic tunnel uh movie is that of uh Wallen Green, a friend of Mel Stewart and screenwriter of The Wild Bunch in nineteen sixty nine. According to Stewart's memoirs, Green is the only person who would agree to let a millipede crawl on his face for the sake of a children's film. Uh, the song Wonka sings on the boat ride, There's no earthly way of knowing, are the only song lyrics taken directly from uh, Raw Dahl's uh, book. All the yeah. other songs were written specific- specifically for the film. Wow, so even like the terrifying portions from the book? Yeah. Well- I don't think that's in the book. What? The the, ter- the terrifying portion? Oh, that uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just the song. Uh, the, lyrics, Gene Wal- uh, the lyrics, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way uh, Gene Wilder sings them, but they seem pretty uh, uh, 
bad <laughs> towards the end of them. They seem pretty well, uh, scary. Well, uh, funny you say that. Uh, Gene Wilder's acting during the boat ride sequence was so convincing that it frightened some of the other actors and actresses. They found <laughs> that Wilder really was going mad from being in the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, we, we, we also see a chicken being beheaded here. Yeah. 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 Well, That's, I, thought, uh, I thought they were just taking the chicken away or something. Nope, they cut off its head. That, I, I never noticed that until I rewatched it for the first time a few weeks ago. Mm. I was like, all right, that's that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this here? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so like there's bugs being eaten. <laughs> like what purpose does this serve? <laughs> yeah, I, I do not know. I, I, I like how it's a form of like Stockholm syndrome when uh where Wonk is trying to be like, listen, the world is bad out there, but you can always trust me, baby. <laughs> I don't know. It always horrified me as a child. Yeah, it still yeah. Horrifi- it horrifi- horrifies me now more uh, as an adult, too. Thank goodness. And they're like, stop this boat. Yeah, you're right. Stop this boat. And they're the inventing the room. And, and they just get over it. They're like, well, I'm done with this place. <laughs> they, that, they're all scrambling to get off. Like, yeah. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Daddy, I don't want a boat like that. <laughs> And in this inventing room, Wonka's inventing. I'm pretty sure Osha had no say in how things are run here because he's throwing shoes into to vats and oh, yeah. handling right. the these, gloves. These Oompa Loompas need to unionize. These are not <laughs> safe working conditions. Oh, I have to interrupt again. I have a few more uh, notes here. Hmm. Uh, before entering the inventing room, Willy Wonka gives an indirect indirectory speech in German with an accent, but otherwise phonetically and gra- grammatically correct. He even pronounces the German R correctly and says inventing room with a proper German accent. The speech translates, ladies and gentlemen, please give me your attention. You now come in the most interesting room of my factory, the most secret room at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, the inventing room. Mm. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if I have anything else here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. A few more quotes here that he gives uh, once we step inside. Uh, the lines in the songs, uh, Sweet Lovers, Love the Spring, are from Sh- uh, Shakespeare's As You Like It. Mm-hmm. Uh, John's favorite song in the movie. Yep. It, uh, it's an earworm. When he's on that bike, he's going ring-a-ding-a-ding-time, springtime. Which I think they meant to make that for one of the Oompa Loompas, but then they realized that the Oompa Loompas are dwarfs and they couldn't reach the pedals. So it's like, yeah, Gene, hop on. Uh, Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker is the entire text of a poem, Reflections on Icebreaking by Ogden Nash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, all right, let's get back to it. Uh, so... My, my rest of my notes won't come up until uh, Vi- Violet blows up. Okay, so uh, in this inventing room, he's inventing things um, in the most unsavory of ways, I would say. It's very dirty, very, you know, very pun-based. You're going to add these shoes to bring the chocolate a little more kick. You're going <laughs> to... It's too cold. You're going you're gonna to throw in a coat over it to keep it warm. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I, did, I didn't pick up on that until, like I said... Uh maybe a few times after I watched, cause I, I didn't even notice like what he was throwing in there. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Mike eats a bullet candy and nearly dies. <laughs> Boy, that's out. good stuff. Mike TV does give a good pratfall in this scene though. I'm like, Hmm, that kid fell pretty good. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, we get to this mysterious covered over machine that Wonka doesn't want anyone to see. And it's clearly a sex machine. Clearly. Really? Lots of thrusting. Yeah. That was, many uh, holes on that. that was Grandpa Joe's name uh, back when he in the war. Sex machine. <laughs> sex machine. And this machine creates uh, Slugwort's um, proposed everlasting gobstopper where you can suck and suck and suck all day. And mm-hmm. it won't get any smaller. No refractory period. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, and Veruca demands one. He's like, I can give it to you, but you got to promise not to show it to anyone. You know, Veruca... Being the sneak that she is, crosses her fingers behind her back. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's up to no good, these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and she demands that she get two. And he does give, like, you know, the adage, like... He got two! Got one, everyone got one, and one is enough for anyone. Which is, you know, blows the mind of a child, if you think about it. <laughs> uh, something uh, to point out here. Like, that he each gives them one, and, and, and he doesn't give one to Charlie. Like, he has, uh, he has to be reminded to give one to oh, him. Oh, yeah, that's right. So maybe he was uh, stacking the deck for Charlie. Maybe he's mm-hmm. like, wanted him to win. Yeah. Hmm. Or, uh, you know, like maybe he was just like, kind of like, almost kind of like pretending to think like he doesn't care about Charlie. You know? I don't or know. maybe he was like, this kid's going to off himself in the next room. No need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll We're going to get him. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this everlasting gobstopper is taken, and then Violet Beauregard, gum chewing champion, stumbles upon a machine that creates a stick of gum but makes it a whole three course meal, which is an interesting concept. I, I would like this an invention. This is probably the most practical candy that we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. I like how he has a beehive that's like attached to this contraption. <laughs> All these little like. You know, little little things. Tomatoes are being smashed. Mashed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Violet takes it despite the warning. I really wouldn't do that. <laughs> but Stop. don't, <laughs> please. No. I like how he's he's getting so bored with these kids disobeying him. <laughs> They're yeah. just so easy to kill. <laughs> um, so she takes this gum. She starts chewing, and she's like, "Oh, it's tomato soup. I can feel it running down my throat, hot and creamy." And <laughs> maybe don't. <laughs> Say that line out loud, Violet, around the people. <laughs> Wait, what I think is weird about this. Well, okay. One of the things that I think is weird about this is uh, how it's gum, but this kind of implies that she's swallowing it. Uh, well, maybe know. the taste. Like, you know, when you, you chew your gum, your saliva runs back to your throat and you got to get rid of that, all the extra juices and whatnot. Mm, could be. Well, so, something that was like annoying she never spat out the gum like she just kept chewing it and she, and that's what made her keep getting fatter and i'm just like come on man hey, she wasn't gonna <laughs> give up her record it's her hubris <laughs> yeah um she starts eating she gets the roast beef and a baked potato with sour cream on the side and then she starts turning her namesake violet you're turning violet and when she gets to the blueberry Always goes Which, wrong with the blueberry. To me, that's not a dessert. Blueberry pie? Oh, blueberry pie. Oh, well. What did you think? She's just eating a straight blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just eating gum. <laughs> well, the true, but it tastes. <laughs> I don't know. It's magic candy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no! And she starts to swell like a blueberry. Her greed has done her in. <laughs> 
They all <laughs> become blueberries. Yeah. It'll be written on her tombstone. At least she was named Violet. <laughs> Any notes, Mark? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're just about to get to it. Uh, um, I mean, this is our next Oompa Loompa song here. You know, like, chewing and chewing all day long the way that a cow does. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, another nice Oompa song. Uh, yeah, so no, she gets rolled out. But uh, uh, for the scene for Violet Bullard, Violet Beauregard's uh, demise, where she swells up like a bl- uh, blueberry, was done in two takes. Uh, take one was pumping air into the inflatable suit, and take two involved stuffing uh, Denise Nickerson into a two-piece styrofoam cutout. While rolling uh, Denise around in her blueberry suit, the Oompa Loompas had a hard time controlling the rolling actress and uh, would send her crashing into several times into a wall. <laughs> oh, oh my that's God. great. Uh, Denise Nickerson's blueberry suit was shot in the middle of the day, leaving time frame in between takes for lunch. She had to stay in the blueberry costume for that duration and had to be turned over several times to keep proper blood circulation. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Uh, since this was filmed before the days of CGI, one of the visual effects that needed to be uh, accomplished was vi- Violet turning blue. At the time, the development of color layering was in process. According to the book, vi- Violet's face and hair turns blue. Mel Stewart worked with it, but the it was only able to turn her face blue. Further development of the color layering was perfected by the time Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope was released and was ready for use to make the lightsaber concept look good. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I could I could tell when she was like turning blue, it was affecting the whole image, like not just her face, the whole uh, the whole frame kind of shifted in tone a little bit in hue. Yeah, looked like a dummy in that suit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit for certain shots, but I guess this was before child labor laws were a thing. <laughs> just put the kid in the blueberry suit. Come on, let's go have lunch. <laughs> So, as we were saying, Violet then has to get dejuiced, which we described as an inhumane process. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get dejuiced. Uh, <laughs> it depends who's doing it. But maybe I it's, like a, it. a new, it's like a new cleanse, maybe. Yeah, a juice cleanse. There you go. You know if they remake this, that Lizzo's juice would be playing over this scene, right? I, I don't think I could take another remake. <laughs> you can't. It's not in you. You got. You got the strength in you for one more remake. Nope. No. Not even. Not if they had uh, Guillermo del Toro do it. <laughs> he would actually kill the children. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, but she she goes off on that. We get where is fancy bread in the heart or in the head, and then we have this fabulous lickable wallpaper. Uh, great invention. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, I think I have this down in my notes, but I don't think the wallpaper was flavored at all. Of course it wasn't. It's not a real thing. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you could have eaten everything in the chocolate room almost. Uh, you would think like just, you know, they would have some kind of like scratch and sniff kind of effect here for the wallpaper and not just well, stick your tongue out. Or I mean, I don't it know may what, not uh, be lickable, but uh, Grandpa Joe is going to town <laughs> on this fucking wall. Yeah, yeah, his tongue looks gross. It's like <laughs> yellow or something, I, it, and it's making some weird movements. Uh, so much so that I'm not sure that is his actual tongue. I think it might be a some sort of functional prop. I don't. Oh I my hope. god, prosthetic tongue. Yeah, it looks. It looks. Speaking of inhumane, 
Yeah, Wonka also describes that this wallpaper is for nurseries. Like, is the baby gonna be licking the wall like the whole day? I don't, I don't get the practicality of this. It's a it's a sound invention, but yeah, that's what you do. You you leave your child alone in a, in an empty room and they just lick the walls. Yeah, what happens after the walls have been licked? Well, you got to get new wallpaper. <laughs> Possibly. I think we're- we're drawing too many conclusions for this fantasy film going on, but I agree. I wonder where the lickable wallpaper was going in execution. <laughs> uh, they stumble onto the next room, fizzy lifting drinks. Um, I'm going to yet again sour the mood as a child. I did not like carbonated things. So this yet again would not, I, I would be, I, this isn't a trip for me. I should not have won this golden oh. ticket. I feel bad. Oh, we skipped, <laughs> o- we skipped over one of the best lines. Oh, snozberries. Who's ever oh, heard yes. of a snozberry? We are the dreamer of dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that uh that quote that he says there, I would I like uh, I like uh, like how it's uttered. Um, it comes from uh, Arthur O. Shanessi's uh, ode, uh, which also gave the phrase "movers and shakers." Oh, yep, hmm. interesting. Hmm. He's also trying to like kill Veruca or hold him back the urge to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he crushing just, her little face. Snatches her. Yeah, yeah. He just grabs her fucking face in his hands. <laughs> and, it, and her dad's watching this too. He doesn't say a word. Well, his dad's probably like, well, if she goes, it's okay. I think her dad's rooting for it. <laughs> um, so fizzy lifting drinks. You drink them and you, you fly. This can't be dangerous at all. Well, he says it's, it's far too powerful. So he doesn't give it to anyone. But Grandpa yeah. Joe is like, ah, screw it. and charlie goes along with it like did you not learn anything from these last two children murdered in front of your eyes i think it's a little bit of that outside influence because it's his grandfather and like you know like and he he loves him a lot so like he's it's like oh because it's like oh let's just take a sip you know it, it shouldn't maybe it's nothing so if grandpa does it charlie does it yeah, yeah. And they start and I, to fly. It's an I, I love the left. I do sorry. like this scene a lot, just because um, you know it does establish that Charlie is not perfect. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's a flawed character, and uh, well, we'll we'll see what happens as a result <laughs> of that at the end. Yep. So they fly, and they realize that there's a giant death fan that they're heading slowly to. This whole scene. <laughs> It's almost like Wonka wanted them to try and die. Hmm. <laughs> this whole factory is a setup. This isn't yeah. a factory. This is a Saw movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Grandpa Joe realizes that the only way out is crass humor. We've got to burp, Charlie. We've got to burp. you got to burp or you'll die, Charlie. <laughs> burp or die. <laughs> Make your choice. <laughs> And they're saved by Grandpa Joe's ingenuity. All right, here comes trivia now. Oh, uh, Peter Ostrom said in the DVD commentary that he and Jack Albertson were very excited to do the fizzy lifting drink scene, thinking it would be a lot of fun, but that it wasn't. <laughs> Due to the metal surrounding them being rather sharp and the harnesses being extremely tight in the crotch area, oh, Albert, Albertson joked that uh, uh, music from... Uh, Tchaikovsky's, uh, right? Uh, yep. Nutcra- Nutcracker Suite would be played in the background of the scene. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, Grandpa Joe, when he does that flip, it looks mighty pained. <laughs> Don't <laughs> yeah. make that old man flip in the air. What are you, you doing? And you could see the wires here. You could see like how the wires are are holding <laughs> these uh, actors in place by some of their uh, more unsavory areas. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to it until you pointed it out. Actually, I saw <laughs> it, like on their hips or like in Charlie's back of his uh, his pants too. Yeah. He had uh, two butt cheeks that were pretty uh, pointed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I just now it doesn't feel like a safe set to me. It probably was, but like it sounds uncomfortable to me. This scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Just feeling bad making that old man do flips in the air. <laughs> <laughs> like he barely makes it through that one flip. <laughs> 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 Uh, but they get out of it and they're like, quick, let's catch up. I'm sure no one would have noticed that two people have gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> two out of the six. Yeah. Was were, was Wonka just waiting for them? Because they stumble into the, the chocolate goose egg room and and they're, he's still mid-explanation. So how long did it take him to maybe, walk down this hallway? Maybe there was like an in-between scene where like Wonka was like, oh, man, I got to hit the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom breaks, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they stumble upon this gold goose room, and these golden geese are laying gold eggs for Easter's <laughs> uh, golden egg chocolate. And I do like this line, like, but Easter's over. Don't tell them that. <laughs> keep, your fucking, for next year. Keep, keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> More slave labor from these geeses. Yeah. Well, like, they're producing gold chocolate eggs. How do they reproduce? Oh, yeah, that's true. Is this a special breed? How are they chocolate? <laughs> how are they so big oh the geese are giant or i mean they're, they're on a green screen yeah, it's like a, they're like superimposed this is like um something else <laughs> and I, they I, also yeah. lay bad eggs too so like is a bad chocolate <laughs> what does it mean maybe it's a child yeah maybe it's an actual geese inside that egg yeah, it could be it's fertilized oh my god uh but, uh, you know, Veruca wants it, and even Charlie is taking the audience perspective, like, ah, here she goes again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she wants beans and a feast and a ball and everything, and she gets up on the chute, and bump, bump, Viola goes down the chute. She has a bad egg. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good number. Yeah, it's interesting to me, though, because in the book, it's squirrels, and her father owns a nut factory, and that's the whole thing. But in the movie, it's geese. Oh, the irony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think squirrels would have worked, too. Maybe squirrels are more testy on set than geese. I mean, uh, they, I mean, I hate to say this, but like, they, you know, they, they, they kept it all true, I, I suppose, in the, uh, in the remake. It's the same thing, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, don't know, I think geese work better. I, don't know, I think they're a little bit more entertaining. You also, you don't, you also have to have to rely on squirrels for this time, you know, where they just use CGI squirrels for, uh, for the remake. So it's like, Oh, just large geese that produce giant eggs. It's practical. It works. Got to keep the budget (laughs) in mind. Um, I, I don't know why Mr. Salt immediately goes to follow his daughter and falls down the chute as well. But I suppose it is a children's movie. <laughs> it's also is is a uh, it's his daughter, so you know he, he cares about her. Yeah, he's he kind of hit and miss with the caring department about it. I, know, I mean, she's, he, the, he, she's the heir to the nut factory, <laughs> the nut throne. <laughs> I have no other child, <laughs> and he's got a wife at home now. So his wife is just widowed and childless, <laughs> childless now. 
makes no sense. Well, I, I, well, I want to go back to that scene too when when we see his wife because she yeah. she, she cares so little about either like her husband or her daughter because mm-hmm. yeah, she's just like casually just knitting and it's like you're gonna be very unpopular around here. <laughs> It's a loveless marriage. Like, oh, that's 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 all that matters is happiness and harmony. Yep. Um, and I do like that they're like, Mr. Wonka, is she going to die? Well, the furnace is lit every other day, so they still stand, you know, a decent chance of living. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I love how straight he, he says that, too. Yeah. Do our Oompa Loompa friends have another song? We Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what this one's about. Yeah, this it's, one doesn't it, bang as hard as uh, the first one, I think. Yeah, well, this one's all about just saying, like, you know, like, uh, usually parents are to blame for how a child kind of turns out, uh, especially yeah. especially when they're coddled and they're they're spoiled like a brat. Uh, yeah, I like remember a, brat fla- flashing on the screen. <laughs> like a Siamese cat. Cat. <laughs> Who's uh, to uh, blame? The mother and the father. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're it's taking variations on a theme hmm. they banged a lot harder when i was a kid <laughs> i i think more so for me i think just because i pay attention to it a little bit more now uh, mm-hmm. all right uh then mrs tv is like can we take a seat uh, it's all going by too quick but my lady transportation has already been prepared and we have the wonkamobile that goes from one location one side of the room to the other, and then they just get off of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's like, uh, why couldn't we just have walked? <laughs> it's like, well, if the good Lord uh, uh, would have allowed us to walk, then he wouldn't have invo- in- invented was roller it? skates. Roller skates. That's it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, no, I, yeah, I have one note here. Uh, during the Wonka wash car scene, the foam used to spurt out was co- uh, compiled from basic fire extinguishers. But was but what was unknown to the cast and crew was that the foam itself was a potent skin irritant. Oh my god! So oh, after cool. shooting after shooting the scene, and you mentioned this as we were watching, uh, where it's like that's burning. <laughs> the ac- the actors and actresses were left in considerable discomfort when their skin puffed, and required several days to receive medical treatment and recovery. Oh my oh, god! Geez. This sounds like literal hell on set. I don't <laughs> want this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, like I, I'm tired of all the secrets they were keeping from their cats. They're like unknown to the cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, now we know. unleash live bees. Man, did oh, nobody oh. overseeing this? Actually, someone did release those bees from that uh from oh, that uh man. contraption that makes the gum. Someone, uh, some someone on set was a practical joker. It's like release the wasps. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, Not my favorite set. Now I know why uh, Peter Ostrom quit acting. (laughs) (laughs) Had a torturous experience on his first (laughs) film. Um, I do like that Mike TV and his mom are in cahoots on this plan. Like they kind of see eye to eye. Like they're more equal than the other parents because Mm -hmm, he's like, "Hey, Ma, do you think Slugworth would want to hear? Just keep your mouth shut. We're gonna get (laughs) into this." So there's more competency there. Yeah, they're more partners in crime. Yeah going on um then they go to the tv room gee i wonder which kid will meet his downfall in the tv based room <laughs> i bet it's grandpa <laughs> yeah it's grandpa the biggest kid take, of all wherein we invented wonka vision he's just 
<laughs> trademark and everything, uh, where you get a really big candy bar and you put it through the Wonka Visioninator and it turns into a thousand tiny dots and, uh, you know, comes up on these uh, screens. Mm-hmm. Which you then can reach through and grab the chocolate from. I would have rather had the much larger chocolate on the other <laughs> side of the room. Yeah, wouldn't that much larger chocolate feed a lot more people? <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> never thought about that before. <laughs> Could feed, feed a whole uh, tiny African village with uh, that giant chocolate bar. Yeah. Feed a whole Oompa Loompa population. Oh my god. Hmm. No one brings that up in the movie. Uh, because Mike TV wants to be the first person transmitted through the airwaves. And even though everyone screams no, you know, these Oompa Loompas are like, yeah, we, we could do it. Stop. Don't. Come back. <laughs> like, he's still doing this bit. I love it. Yeah. It's just so yeah. weird how this is Mike TV's dream. <laughs> like, I mean, I get that he loves TV, but okay, I love TV. I don't want to be transmitted through radio waves. Yeah, where's David Cronenberg to be like the fly scenario where he comes with like an extra arm and is like, kill me. Yeah, it's like it's like euphoria for him. Oh my god. He's he's Brundlefly. <laughs> he's Wonka Fly. Wonka Fly. Um, but he he I don't know how to say, it, like discombobulates himself over to this miniature TV, and then he's really tiny, and his mom's like, Oh no, my son's small. <laughs> so I have I have one note on this as well. Uh, the scene of Mike's downfall was difficult to film. When the scene far far away while uh, in the television, it was a it was accomplished through blue screen. While seen in the television from the close up, uh, Paris uh, Femin, who played Mike, was standing on a platform on a huge television set. The shot was Mrs. TV picks him up uh, <laughs> was a doll, and the single shot where we see a close-up of Mike dangling from his mom's fingers at around one hour, uh, that's the time frame, was accomplished by having Paris dangle from a styrofoam thumb and forefinger covered with fabric. Yeah, it did kind of look like that, honestly. Yeah. Huh. But uh, it worked, I think. And, yeah, that- uh, for me, it was kind of fun to think about how they accomplished this. I mean, really, it was just building really huge sets and, and set pieces, but that's mm-hmm. that's always fun. Yeah. Cats. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> mostly always fun. <laughs> I do like, I don't remember this, but I, I saw this in the viewing, like how Wonka, he picks up her purse that he's in and he starts swinging it like every <laughs> which way. And I was like, oh, this, this little shit. <laughs> uh, like, well, we, we could, you know, uh, taffy. Put him pull in the taffy. Yeah. And I like how this one uh, Oompa Loompa that he gives him to, he's like, oh, what was that? No, I won't hold you responsible. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly all dead. All dead. Each and last, every last one of them. But uh, we're introduced to this last Oompa song that's accompanied by interpretive dance. Oh my god. Yeah. Yep, it's just about the perils of watching too much TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. I think this one took about 50 plus takes. Oh my god. Good lord. Yeah. Oh, they must have hated that. I think that has to just do with like the whole walking sequence that they're like like interwoven with each other and right plus there's a language barrier as well trying to get them to make sure they know what they're doing oh my god yeah, but eventually they get it yeah this explains why they were so bitter looking on set <laughs> and it still looks pretty damn silly but they got it 
They got it. Um, so we've reached the end of our Wonka tour. Charlie and Grandpa Joe approach Wonka. Wonka's like, have a nice day. You could just show yourself out. Um, did we do anything wrong, Grandpa? No, oh. but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> uh, they go into this room where everything is half. Everything's half. The mm-hmm. desk is half. The paintings are half. I have a note on this. Yeah, interesting. According to Mel Stewart's book, Pure Imagination, The Making of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the reason everything in Willy's office is cut in half was because Stewart couldn't bear the thought of having gone through all this whimsical creative rooms in the factory, ending in the movie in an ordinary office. Everything was cut in half to make the the room look more Wonka-esque. Hey, you know what? Fair enough. It it works. works. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It adds like a, a layer of mystique. Like, why? Why is everything half in this room? Yeah, it's quirky. Does yeah. he need Charlie to complete him? Yeah, he's looking for his better half. Yeah, and um, Wonka's like, no. Nah. Uh, well, you know, Grandpa Joe's like, um, when will we be getting the chocolate, my good sir? <laughs> <laughs> you broke the rules. You get nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Goes fucking off on Grandpa Joe. Yeah, and, yeah and, I think this is a little uh, kind of unwarranted. I feel like it kind of comes out of nowhere from uh, from Wonka. Uh, if we saw more build up to his anger, maybe it would have come off a bit more naturally. But yeah, he just kind of uh, he, he builds up a little bit, but it's a very short fuse, and then he explodes. I I have a theory on that. I mean, I I have some notes here, but like I'll get to that in a second. But I think like you know like when he when the Grandpa first gets in there. He's about to talk to him. You know, like he's sitting down. He's smoking half a cigar, and, but like, like he 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 doesn't like raise his voice at first. He's he's more like kind of downtrodden. He's more upset mm-hmm. because you know, like because like that's when he, he goes like wrong, sir, wrong, and then he breaks out the contract, half a contract, reading <laughs> with half a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he just, you know, he's like, yeah, you stole fizzy lifting drinks. Yeah, the walls have to be washed and sanitized. And I think, I, I think he's, he thinks it where it's like, uh, he does, he's not quite sure if, if Charlie's going to do the right thing and give him back the gobstopper. Yeah. I think he put all his stock into Charlie. And the fact that he did that with grandpa made him think like, fuck. Yeah, it's like I I, I I tried, I failed, and this kid wasn't who I thought he was, and maybe maybe he took him seriously, mm. you know? And then because he 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 wanted to give him the chocolate factory, yeah. And he only does this after, you know, Charlie and Grandpa Joe are out, and Grandpa Joe's like Slugworth wants a gobstopper, we're gonna give it to him. Mm-hmm. And Charlie does the 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 Christian thing to do, <laughs> <laughs> comes back and gives the gods to gobstopper. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. so shines a good deed in a weary <laughs> world, which actually is a paraphrase from Merchant of Venice, uh, where it, it, instead it uh, it's actually so shines, a, I think, a good deed in a naughty world. Uh, I think I think, I think I think it's from Portia. From I like Weary Army. better, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but he says to Charlie, "You've won, my boy." More gaslighting for this boy because he's had so many emotions today. Like yeah. Mr. Wonka, I just want to go home. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that's how the remake handles it. It's like I'm going home, Mr. Wonka. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's like, I, well, like I, I love his 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 build up to the joy where it's like, "You won, Charlie," and he lifts him up. Like I knew you could do it. Like I'm sorry I put you all through all that crazy shit. But I need I needed to test you. Yeah, and so this this reverse was kind of got me thinking like uh, him getting mad. Maybe it was just kind of all an act yeah. to uh, to have Charlie do the right thing. 
Ultimately. Remember, Charlie, do the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he takes them, Grandpa Joe and Charlie, into his great glass oh, elevator. Oh, oh, we're, we're, we're also introduced to fake Slugworth. Here oh, yeah, too. that's right. It was we're, all a trick. Yeah, it was. It's like, no, 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 he works for me. Like, and that's another test where it's like, yeah, like, like I need I need to know that you give this shit back to me. Yeah. Mr. Wilkinson, he just gives a thumbs up and no yeah. lines. Just, hey, why, why doesn't he take over the factory then? <laughs> yeah, who, who is this man? Uh, oh, I, I have a couple notes right before uh, we get to the tail end here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where am I starting from? Uh, oh, in, in the scene where Wonka angrily reads to Charlie and Grandpa the contract out loud, he reads two lines in Latin, Fax mentis incendium gloria Culpum, which translates to the torch of the mind lights the path to glory and <laughs> memo bis punter and de- delican delic delic uh, whatever what you can't speak latin yeah. <laughs> i c- i can read which translates to no one can be twice punished for the same offense uh, double which- jeopardy <laughs> which i i don't know i don't know i'm not sure how you can maybe interpret that into uh what he's getting at but uh uh in willie's office at the end of the movie charlie's stunned by the reaction uh to the candy maker yelling at him and is real uh per mel stewart's pure imagination uh peter ostrom was not told beforehand that willie would be yelling at charlie what did they tell these actors? <laughs> they didn't tell them anything. Oh, yeah. They're just like, show up here on this day and time. <laughs> this man's going to yell at you. you. You go full method. Uh, Stuart felt that doing it that way would allow for a better, more real reaction from Charlie. Oh, my Gene, God. Gene Wilder mentioned that he would he wanted more, more than anything to, to warn Peter about the yelling beforehand. Practically because the two had become such good friends during the filming and Walter wanted Ostrom to be assured that he was only acting and that, of course, he still loved him. But Stuart forbid it. Oh, Jesus. He really doesn't have confidence in his actors to like actually deliver acting. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But but, it makes me even more happy that Gene Walder was, uh, more keen yeah. to say like no 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 like he'll he'll get it you know? yeah yeah um so then we go to wonka's great glass elevator which would have been the sequel for this movie it's a wonkavator I, I think they go to space it, it's a weird book yeah. <laughs> it is a weird book but I, um i do know aliens are involved with it yeah there are aliens involved oh boy. that sounds like something while. that does not need to be made <laughs> i bet you someday it will mm. Um, but they go and he's like, I pushed every button and they take me to every room in this factory except for this red button right here and give it a, give it a push, Charlie. <laughs> it says suicide right above it. <laughs> Blast off. <laughs> We're going to be cut to ribbons. It's all made of glass. I know. Isn't it fun? <laughs> I love his glee here. It's like, yeah, I don't, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> We're all going to die again. <laughs> Like, Grandpa Joe would have had several heart attacks in <laughs> the course of this movie. Well, I don't know. He's uh, he's an expert now after those fizzy lifting drinks. <laughs> he's experienced hell. He's seen hell. Yeah. That was kind of a... That was some foreshadowing. I'm coming for you, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sequel right there. And they pass out over town, and they're, they're looking at the school and where their house is, and Wonka lets slip, like, 
I'm giving the chocolate factory to you. I can't go on forever. You and your whole family get to live in that weird ass factory. <laughs> and, and, and Grandpa Joe says, and me? <laughs> what about me? <laughs> yeah. Grandpa Joe's only concerned about him. <laughs> what's, in for Uncle, what's in it for Grandpa Joe? <laughs> yeah. What's it my turn? <laughs> Uh, and but, our uh, movie I, ends. Yeah, it, it it's sweet. You know, I, I I you know I like him like kind of explain to Charlie where it's like you know like like oh like uh, oh this is my last note actually, a very mm-hmm. very last note. So writer David Seltzer and uh, director Mel Stewart re- relate that uh, that David uh, David Seltzer had left uh, Munich for his vacation in the cabin in Maine, thinking his contribution to the film was completed when Mel realized that the screenplay ended with Grandpa's line, yippee. yippee. <laughs> and, and, and Mel phoned Maine from Munich and told David, also, he, he just stopped production, like full stop. And it's like, fuck, I got to call this guy. <laughs> told David that he couldn't finish the picture without a good ending line. David responded with the only thing that he could think of and that uh, they were flying up in the air. Willy Wonka looks at Charlie and says in a very warming voice that happily ever after line, mm. which I, which I do like. It's, it's like, you know, like, don't forget about the, the, the boy who got everything. And it's like, Oh, what happened? He lived happily ever after. And he gives him a big hug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I, I would say it's okay. I'm not crazy about it either because I'm like, what? But what happens next? Where do we go from here? Like, I don't know if that's a good moral. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, it's a, it's a little sweet. I don't know. I, yeah, I could see, I could see that kind of like going both ways. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I, I I get I get a little teary eyed now uh, watching this movie. Uh, at least the end of this. I, I, a lot of that comes from just Gene Wilder and um, uh, Peter Ostrom's uh, performance performances here. Yeah. Well, maybe someday you'll be tortured on a set. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Your dreams could come true. The I, wonder if, uh, I wonder if Gene Wilder and uh, Peter Ostrom remained friends after production. They might have. Uh, yeah. I think after. Uh, it sounds a little cryptic too, but uh, in um, during I think it was uh, Gene Wilder's death. And uh, Peter Ostrom goes on Twitter, and I think he changes his his profile to uh, veter- uh, once veterinarian, now owner of uh, the Wonka factory. Oh, like that. That's pretty. He claimed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, should we get into our final thoughts and pizza ratings? Sure. Yeah, let's uh, do it. I-, I can go first. Okay. Um, I I genuinely love this movie. I have a much more fonder appreciation for it now than I was than I did when I was younger. Uh, it's it was very rare up until maybe a few weeks ago when I've gone back and watched it. It was maybe in very rare occurrences when I would see a scene maybe come on at passing, you know. And I didn't really stop to really just want to watch it, but uh, I've I've watched it numerous times leading up to uh, to the podcast in the last few weeks, and uh, I got to say, you know, like I love every viewing of it. Uh, you know, it, it has a couple of short points, especially when going back and looking at its history. And but uh, it's, uh, I don't know. For me, I think it stands the test of time. It's it it's, it it feels timeless to me. You know, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I love all the performances. Um, almost all the performances, uh, but mainly 
Gene Wilder's here. I think he really mm-hmm. makes the movie. It's, it takes a while to get to him, but like it's that slow burn, you know, that really like really makes you appreciate it. I think too, and everything else kind of spread around it. Uh, you know, all the little vignettes, some some of the uh, supporting roles here. You know, it's a it's truly a delight, and I th- I still think uh, kids today can grow up uh, watching this at a young mm-hmm. age. Yeah, that's uh, that's just my thought. But uh, and I think, uh, hmm. I want to give this a high score. I think I want to give it a, a 7.5 out of 8 pizza slices. Wow, that's nearly a whole pie. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, I'll go. Um, I would have to say that, while, you know, still love this movie, still good. It, it's been a while, I want to say like three years since I've seen it. Maybe a little bit more. Um, this time it didn't hit me as well. I don't. I don't know what happened. Like, I really enjoyed the first part of the movie more than I ever did. And then when they got into that factory, I was just like, the veneer was coming off the walls a little bit. Mm. And I don't know if that's... impressed. Yeah, I don't know if that's my jaded uh, nature. I think that, you know, Gene Wilder, he's a standout in this movie. But I also feel like no one truly matches him, which is part of the the novel's draw, because it is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but... Feel like no one's on that level, that mystique with him. Like, I don't know. It feels like they're pawns in his game, which you know relates to the film itself. And I feel like I'm rambling, um, but that's the the take I got this watching. Um, like I said, those vignettes in the beginning really stuck with me more than they usually did. They 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 were giving me like Harold and Maude esque like cutaway jokes mm-hmm. that I that I enjoyed. Um, now that I know more on the backstory of this movie, I'm definitely more intrigued uh, <laughs> with the goings on behind the camera. <laughs> so I, I like that I have those stories to share next time I watch with some friends and some company. But uh, dang, that set was not as peachy keen as I thought it was going to be. Um, very interesting, though. Um, I'm going to have to give it... Hmm... Do I have to break tradition and actually give it a point something Ooh. today? Is it, is it actually mandatory? Yeah, you've done I'm it gonna before. Give, I don't think I have. Mm. I, I'm going to give this one a 5.5 out of 8 pizza slices. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to be echoing some of what you guys had to say already. Um, that first half is... It is a little slow to me, although I really appreciate a lot of what's going on in it. Um, I think maybe the maybe the relationships, uh, like the familial relationship between Charlie and everyone else, could have used a little more oomph to uh, kick it along. But all the vignettes were were pretty solid and enjoyable, and uh, yes, yeah, surprisingly funny. And they, you know, they didn't try to dumb it down or cater it to children at all, which I really appreciate. And that mm. kind of goes for the whole. Uh, movie as a whole the the style of it especially when uh, gene wilder comes out as willy wonka it's just uh, it's it's unapologetic for what it is it's very self-aware it's very um honestly it's very unique that kind of blend of uh like a sarcastic um bitterness uh and there's like a bit of cynicism to all of uh willy mm-hmm. wonka's lines which i think is uh you know fantastic i don't know if the book was written in that way but uh i really i think it makes the character so much more interesting and kind of like an archetype for other uh 
future characters of the same vein to follow. It's uh, just really interesting and really enjoyable and uh, really entertaining. And yeah, I just I do really enjoy all the imagination that's gone on to this movie when it comes to uh, the writing, the dialogue, um, all the uh, kind of adult references to, to cultural uh, works such as like poetry and Shakespeare, but uh, the sets as well. I mean, they were maybe a little bit constrained by their budget, but I think they did a really good job with what they had. It was uh, it was always kind of uh, eye catching. And yeah, especially when, uh, you know, that set designer, when they got to that last scene and they were describing the office, they were like, oh, well, we have to make the stand out in some certain mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that really shone through the whole movie. They really just tried to make every little thing stand out. So, you know, ultimately, I'm really surprised that it uh, kind of bombed at the box office came coming in at number 53. But I'm still uh impressed with how much of a a staple it is in the culture and how long lasting and uh timeless it is as you guys were saying so i think that's kind of a testament to all the work that went into it um yeah but it is i don't know it's still crazy how uh, audiences were not receptive to it and yeah it's uh it, it it is surprising that a movie with uh such a small audience could still be so ingrained in pop culture. Um, this isn't quite, uh, quite as momentous as, uh, that moment in polyester when I discovered, uh, that sample by the avalanches being used in that movie. But, uh, there is a moment when the Oompa Loompas are singing and the Oompa Loompas say, I don't like the look of it. Mm -hmm. That, That took me back to my childhood because while I did not grow up with this movie, I grew up with, uh, a rap duo called the Backwoods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, da Backwoods. D A B A C K W U D Z. They were my favorite rappers uh, for maybe like a year or two. I think in between Papoose and Lupe Fiasco. Um, really just like a period in like 2006 or 2007, maybe. I discovered them on the Music Choice channel of all places. And I've, I, I've barely ever heard them since. I think they were somewhat relatively popular in uh, their native Georgia, but they never really broke out apart from that. But uh, yeah, for some reason I, I globbed onto them and they have a, I think their biggest hit samples that Oompa Loompa line. <laughs> and uh, it, I don't know, it worked really well for me as like a 12 or 13 year old kid. And uh, yeah, that was around the same time I discovered uh, DJ Khaled too, and that was before everyone knew DJ Khaled. I, oh, man, I was, I was on top of that. It was crazy, but anyway, um, yeah, I, it's just such a like I said, it's been ingrained in the pop culture. Um, pure imagination, obviously, it's in commercials everywhere. Uh, Fiona Apple does a really great version of that for a Chipotle ad, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Anyway, solid movie. Really, it's really uh, fascinating in, in so many respects, and I uh, appreciate the artistry on display. Even if it didn't uh, ring all my bells, it uh, rang a lot of them. It was never, I forgot to mention, it was, uh, I've been going on for so long now, but probably the, the thing I appreciate the most about it is that sense of like cynicism that 
allowed it to not be so saccharine because one of the things I really don't like in a lot of family movies is uh, just being too sweet, overly saccharine, overly moralistic. Uh, movies like this are, I, I don't know, to me, they ring truer and uh, I think they would probably stick with children and families as a whole for, for a lot longer. Mm. So yeah, I just, I love that style. This was uh, right up my alley. I'm going to give it a, a seven out of eight pizza slices. Wow. Yeah, I really liked it. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm upset that it took me so long to uh, discover it. <laughs> I'm happy I could bring it along. Yes. Definitely. Very classic film. I, I didn't realize how much it was in the zeitgeist, too. But it being that it was a flop, like I guess I have to give it a lot more kudos than I was um, that it's lasted this long and yeah. been like, you know, such a pillar. Like, I don't know how. Maybe it was popular on reruns or on TV or something. I have no clue. Oh, and another thing. Yeah, I, I already gave my pizza score, but I did want to say that ending does kind of feel like it came out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> the significance of the glass elevator and flying over every place. Yeah, like, where are they going? I was kind of expecting it to, like, loop back around to something, but it, it kind of didn't. So, it, like, it was cool to see, but it felt a little empty. There was no cheer up Charlie reprise. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something like that. I think it was just more to show like, oh, there there's there's more to expect here, Charlie, you know, than than just the factory or like that's true. Maybe, maybe like maybe uh, it has to deal with like the because we get a reprise of uh, pure imagination, and then we see like simply look around and view it. You're gonna get a whole view of the of the town, the city. So it could be a literal and a figurative uh, playoff of what he. One another. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Now I'm thinking like, uh, you know, the the factory is such a wondrous place, but if you only look around, you could see that same wonder uh, wherever you are, even in a sketchy alley being approached by bald dudes. <laughs> right. By me. With a mysterious <laughs> scar on his cheek that we never discussed. Like, where did he get that from? <laughs> maybe, maybe he just, you know, played it up, you know, uh, for the bit. I'd like know. to imagine he got in a knife fight with an Oompa Loompa. It's like now, now Wilkinson, I gotta cut you. <laughs> oh, I, I never described my Oompa Loompa theory. Oh. I think they were all. I, I I think there's no such thing as Loompa Land. I think that geography teacher is right on the money. I think they were all uh, casualties of his experimentation with Wonka Vision. Oh, oh. wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were those were the last batch of uh, golden <laughs> ticket winners. <laughs> that makes sense i like that yeah never heard that before heard it here first my cap's exclusive <laughs> <sighs> all right should we tail end this episode yeah let's i got i got some rips to eat oh my <laughs> god okay so is there anywhere any of our audience members can find us on the social media uh, you can find me over at uh, MZBro Jr. over on Instagram or Man Who Wears Hats over on Twitter. You can find me, Jonathan. Oh, what's my last name? Jonathan Kwiatkowski <laughs> at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram, Drink and Read JK on Twitter, or follow my other podcast, Anime Was Not a Mistake. Around this time, we'll be at episode 69, our panty and stocking episode. So nice. check that out. Not safe for work. <laughs> uh, and you can find me, Matt Cabrera. Uh, well, since it is the 4th of July, I am going to be uh, riding some of these fireworks up into the atmosphere, creating my own glass elevator 
I'm mm. gonna be riding them like uh, like Doctor Strange Love on that bomb, baby. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, do we have any hints, Matthew? Oh, I yeah. should. Uh, oh, before. Well, yes. Do we have any announcements? <laughs> yeah. So, um, for for anyone who's a, a listener uh, for uh, uh, for a while now, uh, I'm going to be taking a leave of, a- of absence for some time here, more of a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just needed to kind of step away from the mic, you know, and uh, just kind of like, you know, just kind of collect myself, you know, just kind of uh, uh, work on me if uh, if I if I could just put it bluntly, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that, that's, uh, that's all I can really say right now. Yeah. But, uh, I don't, I, and, and I should, I should return in some, some due time, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, you're stuck with, uh, with John and Matt. Oh boy. I can't <laughs> but, wait. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going to teach Matt how to read. <laughs> we're about to be number three seventy five in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> so you're back to basics with, a with, a with the awesome twosome here. <laughs> But, Our uh, chocolate factory is open, always open to you, Mark. So, mm-hmm. oh, yum, but, <laughs> and no uh, yeah. golden ticket necessary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just needed to kind of, just kind of, you know, just kind of collect myself and uh, just okay, kind of, uh, you know, just just focus on some things. But uh, hopefully, in due time, uh, I'll return and uh, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be here to annoy you all. Yep, <laughs> we, we will welcome you with open arms and open mics. And, yeah, uh, and Ida will be here. And open legs. <laughs> Ooh. Well, all right. Uh, yeah. We What's our hints? Let's see. Uh, I guess that does kind of tie into my hint about perhaps missing someone. The oh. hint for next episode is when they try to do this in my Bob Dylan voice. It had to be murder. Mm, interesting. Will I finally kill Matthew Cabrera? <laughs> Leaving this point, <laughs> taking the podcast throne for yourself. One host down, one more to go. So <laughs> it's a Julie Klausner power hour with Jonathan oh, Kwiatkowski. We got a regular wonk over here. <laughs> it's going to be mine, the Chocolate River. It's going to be mine. <laughs> uh, well, until next time, happy trails. See ya. Have a good uh, America. Thank you for listening to Nightcaps at the Theater. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us this evening as much as we had with you. If you're not too hungover or haven't thrown up on your cat yet, please be so kind to rate, review, and subscribe to us on various podcast platforms. Oh, it looks like Matt's passed out in a bag full of McDonald's and John's swinging a wine bottle at me. I guess it's time for me to get going. Good night, everyone, and make sure to tip your Uber driver.